craft beer drinkers and welcome to another episode of tap the craft podcast my name is denny loose and with me almost as always is the homebrew engineer himself mr john ream john how are you doing tonight man i'm loving your energy ah, it's awesome yeah um, i'm excited i'm doing good yeah uh it was nice to hear chris back on episode 68 did a great job mm-hmm. he did um but I'm really glad that you and I are here to do 69 together. <laughs> oh, ow. Da-ding. Wow, that's a zinger right there. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you just caught me totally off off guard. I was all excited, and now I just uh, came down. Came down off my excitement. But don't, hey, don't worry. I'll pick it back up. I'll pick it <laughs> Ouch. Back up. I'm not sure how to take that, but uh, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> well, it was the whole 69 thing. I don't know. I Oh no, I'm aware. Okay, okay, gotcha. We we are a G-rated podcast. So we got to kind of keep it clean, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, I'm glad you're back, John. I missed you. It feels like I haven't talked to you in a month, which isn't true because you know we've chatted back and forth since then. But hey, I haven't talked on the podcast with you in in a month, so I'm glad we're back together. And I hope our listeners are excited for this great show that we have for them tonight. But before we get into that. Let's just tell everyone is new to the show because I know we have a lot of new listeners. And I want to thank you for choosing us as a, a podcast on uh, craft beer for your ears. And in case you are new, we are Tap the Craft Podcast and we are an educational podcast and we focus around celebrating all things craft beer. We want to help people along in what we call their craft beer journey. So join us and let us help you along. And you are listening, as John pointed out, to episode 69. And we're recording on Sunday, March 12th, 2017. And this show is full of a lot of great content. John and I will be discussing the American Amber Ale style guidelines according to the Beer Judge Certification Program, the BJCP, along with a tasting note segment with the Ninkasi Believer Double Red Ale. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to step this Red L or this Amber L style guidelines up a notch and go right into the double Red L. Uh, why not? We love things doubled up. And, of course, we have some listener questions we're going to answer. One concerning the untapped check-in etiquette. Yeah, you know, there is an etiquette. I Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out if John and I care about whether how you guys check into your check-ins or not. And we also have a very special check-it-out segment. We have a new brewery coming to the Columbus, Ohio area, and we are lucky enough to have the owner on an interview. At the end of the show, stay with us and uh, find out all about this new brewery opening in Ohio very soon. And of course, you can always count on John and I having some fantastic beer conversation. So let's get started, John. And before let's we, do it. yeah, let's do it. And before we get too uh, dried of mouth, uh, I know you have something crafty in your glass. What are you drinking tonight? Yeah, so I figured uh, since our double red doesn't really fit in our amber ale category <laughs> that I should drink an amber ale tonight. So oh, okay. I'm going with some uh, new Belgium fat tire. 
Well, there you go. There you go. We did a tasting note segment on that. I don't ask me when because it was a while ago, but it was a while ago. And I'm too lazy to go look it up right now. <laughs> yeah, me so. too. Me too. <laughs> so what are you uh, drinking tonight? Well, I am not drinking an Amber Ale. I am actually drinking my very last can of the Fremont Brewing Lush IPA. And I've been a Lush all over this beer since it's been in our area. Uh, I'm, yes, I dig this so beer good. so much <laughs> and I've been telling everyone about it and everyone I've told has just loved it as much as I love it. And I'm so happy and I really, really want Fremont to make this beer more, at least a seasonal one that comes out every season. And if not, man, make it a flagship beer because man, this is so awesome. Yeah, that beer is great. And, uh, now I'm just wishing that I had some, so uh, it, but I don't. It, yeah, it sells out fast. I picked up two six packs when I, when the second uh, se- series of release came out, or a second uh, distribution, or whatever they call it. I don't know what they call it. The release. Um, I saw it in the store, and I grabbed two two six packs because I wasn't going to miss out. I wanted to make sure I had plenty of it. And I've, like I said, I've been drinking a lot of this beer, and I've had yeah. other friends buy six packs too. Yeah, I've not seen six packs since the release. I've seen bombers a couple times, but. Uh... I wasn't in beer buying mode at the time, so didn't get them. Damn. That was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. The bombers are nice, too. I've had a bomber, but I kind of enjoy just getting that, you know, 12-ounce taste. Kind of good. I can drink a couple of them, not feel too bad. All right, John. Well, as we pointed out, uh, everyone knows that you weren't on the show last week. We, you did have a little bit of a family uh, stuff come up that kind of kept you from recording. You were planning on recording with us, and, and at the last minute you had to kind of bow out. But because we know that you have so much to talk about, about the new untapped 3.0 update, we don't want to leave you out. So why don't you give us your impressions of the new untapped 3.0? All right. Yeah. Uh, so there are a lot of quality of life improvements mm-hmm. in the update. Um, that I agree with. The thing I don't, I really, really, really don't like is the opening screen. Really? I could care less about (laughs) venues and events and all that crap. I know that this is how they make their money. Like, this is how they've monetized. Mm -hmm. You know, you can buy in, I I believe, and, you know, people are using their draft boards. I've seen them around, Um, you know, like the digital draft boards. but I don't care. I, I have never used any of those features. I don't live in the city, so I'm not going to use those features. I, I know where the three places around me are that I can go get stuff, you know. Um, so that stuff I just don't care about. I don't like that I don't open the app and see the feed anymore. That's ah, what I okay. go to the app to have. And okay. uh, so I do like that the check-in like search bars right there. Um, but I don't like that. I have to click over to a different screen to do that now. Like I can't just hit the thing at the top of the feed when it opens up, you know, since I open the app and go to the feed, then I have to go back if I'm going to do something. But okay. Okay. That's just me. Yeah. I can, I can (laughs) understand that. I, I kind of agree with you that those, those features aren't the, the prime reason I use untapped, but, Again, when I open Untapped, I'm typically opening it to want to do one of two things: to respond or look at a comment that 
someone posted because I get notifications that someone's posted. So at that point, I'll open it and then I'll just go right to my notifications and find out, you know, who responded and, and respond back. But reality, when I open Untap, most of the time, what am I going to do? I'm going to check into a beer. So as long as that search thing's there and that barcode reader is right on the, on the opening screen, I'm okay because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open it. I'm going to hit the barcode reader. I'm going to scan my bottle or, or can, and boom, I'm checking in right there. So, uh, yeah, it. I would. I mean, maybe it would be nice to have the feed, but if I had the feed, then I'd have to go to the search instead of just getting it right off the bat. At least well, on the iOS, just have the search at the top of the feed. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, they could keep it the way it is and swap out the stuff beneath the search bar. True, but I mean, it, it's going to come down to personal use of how you use the app, whether you like this change or not. Um, you know, but I. I actually will just open up the app and just scroll through the feed to see what people are drinking, even when I don't have anything to check in. Yeah. So for me, having extra steps to go do that is uh, not preferable. Well, it's only one one uh, little push of a thumb on the icon, so yeah, it's I can't really... be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I might just have to delete it. I mean, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, the, the, all these uh, millennials that are just can't move a thumb. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the way I liked it. You know, all right? I, okay. No, I took it away. Well, but, um, so the the serving style, the like, you can pick bottle, can, yeah, and yeah. stuff. I did it once. I don't care. Um. I don't think I'm going to take the time to do that. Um, but it, that seems to me like a reaction to the beer advocate and rape beer sites where when people, you know, do their stuff, they're like, I poured this out of a kid and, you know, mm-hmm. into this style of glassware that was this temperature before I put it in. Um, cause I, I know they always mark, you know, wh- what it was packaged in. Mm-hmm. Um, the where I purchased it, not going to use that. But I can see how that would be beneficial for some people. Yeah, but, you don't want to help hook up. You don't want to help out your other local friends that might want to find the beer that you're drinking. No. Okay, man, you are just uh, <laughs> all about yourself, huh? Come well, on. Well, the John. problem is I do most of my stuff. I go load up a whole bunch at some bottle shop, and then I drink it over the next like three weeks, and I'm. It's just never in my head that, oh, I should mark where I purchased this two weeks ago, you know. Mm-hmm. It, so I'm not going to go pre-log beers and then come back and, you know, it just doesn't, yeah, for me, just not going to use it. And uh, I don't care about notifications of beers in my area, but I can see how that's a great feature for a lot of people. But it just doesn't fit my lifestyle right now with two little kids, not, and I'm not near where all of the fun beers are going on tap like that. I can't just hit over there real fast, you know? So, um, but that's just, uh, just the way things are for me right now. Maybe mm-hmm. someday that'll come in handy. Yeah. When you're traveling um, the world, it could come in handy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So enough negativity. Okay. So the things I do like, <laughs> um, I like that it saves your recent searches. Um, so like when I'm looking up beers, either on tap or at the bottle shop, and then maybe I order one. I don't have to research it. I can just hit the search bar, and then it'll show what you've recently looked at. Mm-hmm. And you just tap on it, and you're good to go. Um, so that's nice. I don't have to redo 
the searches like you used to. Yeah, I, you know what? I didn't even notice that until you pointed it out. I mean, I kind of saw it before, but I didn't really pay attention. But you're right. I just now opened up the app, and sure enough, I go to the search thing, and it does show me my recently uh, searched items. So that's a that is nice. Yeah. Um, and then, so you guys had commented on the green check mark, mm-hmm. um, and that existed before, um, but it was a blue star, and uh, but you had to go to the, to the beer, beer, yeah, to know. But yeah. I love that they show on the feed now yeah. what you've had or haven't had. Yeah. That's awesome to me. Yeah, um, uh, I like the way they show the photos now. I think that looks really cool. Yeah, um, in the feed. Um, and I like the inline tagging um, during the check-ins. Uh, that's gotten better. And I like that you can tag people outside of your comment, so you don't have to use up your precious. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, 140 characters. Characters. I that's know. Characters. Ugh, that's that was, what I was going for. That, that was my. That was my <laughs> gripe. That was my one gripe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the flavor profile suggestions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming these are built off of other people's check-ins. Yes. You know, it's kind of just taking, all right, these are commonly used. Are you getting these? Um, and hopefully, it, I'm hoping that gets people to think about, you know, what they're tasting and throw stuff in and, you know, helps folks develop their palate. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. Um, and then... Uh, I like that the friend ratings are right there front and center when mm-hmm. you click on a beer. Um, so you can see right away uh, what your friends did rather than having to click over to it. That's nice. Yeah. Um, and I like now that you can edit everything about your check-in. Yeah. I think it was somewhat limited before on what you could do. Um, but now it can do everything, which is great because sometimes when you're drinking, you make mistakes all the time, <laughs> all the time. You don't know how many people comment on the fact that I have a freaking typo in my comment. And it says, says I instead of rye or something like that. Right. It's, it's funny because it, yeah. you know, autocorrect sucks sometimes. And I even like the last one was, a, I, I, I was typing in rye and it, and it typed I because R the E and the, and the R are right next to each other. I saw it, I corrected it, but when I corrected it, it put it back to I again and I didn't catch it on the second time because I just assumed I got it right that time. So it's just funny that it, it you know, it, it makes mistakes. And most of the time is because my fingers are too fat and letters are too close to one another. And I have problems. Yeah. So overall, I think it's a move in the right direction. I'm just annoyed that I don't see the feed right away. Okay. So. Okay. Well, good. But, well, good. I'm glad you like the new updates besides the homepage uh, or the, the starting page thing. So. Yeah, all the all the little things add up to be better than having to click over. Oh, for sure, for <laughs> sure. And and I think they they stepped up the speediness of the app too. At least on the iOS, it really is a lot faster than it was before. I, I, I the like yeah, the search has definitely seemed faster um, in the bit that I've that I've done. Okay, but uh, I haven't been on the app too much, as people have probably noticed. So yeah, I think I'm almost a hundred beers ahead of you again, aren't I? Something like that. <laughs> I I haven't even looked. I haven't even looked. Yeah, I'm just continuing on my normal, uh, you know, beer drinking type stuff, and it, it quickly adds up. I guess I don't realize how yeah. much I I enjoy beer until I look to see how much we're apart again. Yeah, when you're slowing down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, John. So was there anything else about the show you want to just make a comment on that we talked about? Any, any of this articles or anything? Uh, no. I think you guys handled things pretty well. Okay. So. Okay. So nothing about Chris calling you out on the old vanilla extract use? <laughs> you know, I took that to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I laughed yeah. pretty hard, too, at, at extract gate. I loved it. Yeah, no. It's a... Uh, you know, water under the bridge, and uh, if if he wants help with his uh, <laughs> mouthfeel, I'll help him because I'm I'm good. You're you're like a good that. guy, Chad. All right, <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right then, John. So, as we normally do, we try to highlight some maybe some beer related activities that we do between shows. Do you have any beer related activities you'd like to talk about? Yes. I accidentally scrolled past that. Um, <laughs> well, you can't remember? Was it was it that long ago? Well, I was reading my new and noteworthy stuff, and I just prepped that in my mind of what I was about to say. And then you're like, uh, have we done anything? And I'm like, well, that doesn't add up with what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, had a little impromptu uh, mini bottle share mm. uh, with some friends. Uh buddy rob and pete and amanda uh and everybody just we were hanging out and they're like oh well i have this and i have this like, all right well let's break them all out um so uh for starters uh you mentioned the uh graders beer um and our buddy uh dp's mr matt over at the 40 cast uh had, had mentioned this um it's a beer uh done by Braxton Brewing out of uh, Kentucky, and they're doing a collaboration with Creators Ice Cream and their um, black raspberry chocolate chip ice cream. Mm -hmm. So they did a black raspberry chocolate chip beer. Um, it was very nice, uh, although I will tell a story since we've uh, had the, uh, you know, gushing. Yeah, um, the gushers. The page you just <laughs> talked about last week. Uh, they actually had to do a recall on this mm. beer. Um, their can seamer, uh, did not see seal every can properly. And so the first run of them, uh, a bunch of cans were leaking. Hmm. Um, it wasn't, thankfully, I mean, the beer was okay. I mean, it was fine. Um, but, uh, I had two of my cans were noticeably leaking. The other two were okay. Um, so I drank the two that were leaking. Um, <laughs> so I, did, I didn't, I didn't want to risk throwing those in my luggage. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with the change of pressure, I was like, I, I don't know what's going to happen to these. Um, so I did manage to get two back to share with everybody. Oh, good. Um, but, uh, it, it's a very nice beer. Um, and everybody that I tasted it with either thought that the raspberry was more upfront or the chocolate was more upfront. Like everybody kind of perceived it differently, which mm -hmm. to me means they probably struck the balance pretty well, mm -hmm. you know, that nothing truly stuck out and everybody, it just kind of depended on your palate, I guess, of what, uh, really stuck out to you. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that beer and, uh, I got to drink a whole lot more of it than I expected since I was planning to like, give the cans away to people when I got back, but then I only had two, so <laughs> I'll split it into little tiny amounts. Um, but yeah, that was really nice. Um, another one, uh, was from the brewery mm -hmm. uh, and it was share this, uh, mole. 
So it was uh, like mole beer and had a nice little cinnamon and a little peppery note Mm -hmm. to it. Uh, that was very pleasant. Um, and, uh, really nice. I, I kept grabbing the bottle. I think I enjoyed this one a little more than some folks at the table. Um, and, uh, I don't know if this is still out. I uh, know I'd seen it a couple months ago, but uh, if you can find this and you you like, um, you know, that kind of chocolatey, spicy type flavor profile, definitely give this a try. Um, so I I would recommend it. Um, and then finally, we go to uh, Black Raven Brewing. Uh, which really doesn't get enough pub from me on the podcast. It's a just great Seattle area brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this was their old bird brain uh, barley wine, mm-hmm. which has won gold at the Alaska barley wine festival numerous times. Uh, they just rock this beer every year. And uh, it, this year was no different. Um, this was the 2017 uh, version of that and it's just so smooth it goes down so easy and i mean everything just plays well together and it's just really nice um there's a lot of times a fresh barley wine can be a bit aggressive mm-hmm. um you know because some of them are just designed to age um they're not really intended sometimes to be drank right away um so they you know they'll hop them up knowing that people are going to lay them down and uh but this one um was gr- just great out of the out of the gate and I, and I know that these age really well as well so um it it's a great one and unfortunately if you're not around here you're not going to get your hands on it but uh if you're in the Seattle area and you can still find it definitely go go grab some or yeah yeah put it on your calendar for next year <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah i'm trying to no i haven't had a bird brain I thought I might have had it when we were there, but nope, I didn't check into it. So I need to find that one. If it, We don't get them in Boise, but if I make it over that area when it's available, I need to make sure I grab it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I should have uh, grabbed one for you. Yeah. That would have been a very nice thing for me to that, do. Yeah, that would have been nice, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I forgive you. Oh, thank you. Uh, so how about you? Uh, what have you done? Well, guess what? I also had an impromptu, well, it, it was kind of impromptu, kind of planned, but uh, uh, a bottle share. And my buddy Alex, he's the, my buddy that came over here from Israel, and, and he's a home brewer, and, and he's a very good home brewer. And we hang out together and drink and have bottle shares and, and tastings and go to festivals together and have a great time. Well, he went to vacation in Iceland. And when he was over there for a week with his brother and his father, I believe, or I think it was his father, his brother for sure, I'm not sure, he went with a, a group of people, they went and traveled the island, and they drank a bunch of beer. And uh, because it is an island, everything has to be imported, it's very expensive to buy beer. He was, I was shocked at how expensive he said the beers were. And uh, But despite that, because he's such a great guy, he brought back five bottles of Icelandic beer to share with me and our, our buddies. And so we did a little beer tasting. And uh, so he brought five beers, which was nice because it was just enough for me to get the first level of the Iceland beer badge on, on tap. So, <laughs> I mean, 
That's that was pretty nice. I mean, he brought That's five the important things. Yeah, you know. yeah, I got a badge. <laughs> I got a badge. But I'll tell you what. Um, all the beers were pretty good. Uh, even the ones that we didn't really think, uh, you know, were that great, were still not bad beers. They were drinkable beers. They just were a little bit lighter flavored and and not as uh, you know as enjoyable as the other ones. But there was three that were really enjoyable. And I just wanted to kind of mention these three. And again, um, we invited a bunch of people, but it was only Alex, uh, my buddy Adi, and myself that were there. So the three of us got to drink all these beers ourselves, which was nice. We got to have a nice, decent uh, pour, uh, taster pour of these. And the first one I'm going to mention is the Borg Brugus Surter Number 47 Imperial Stout. And this is uh, at 10%. And I'll tell you what, uh, this stout was fantastic. I think I gave it a a four and a half to five rating. I don't remember what I gave it, but it had a really, really good f- flavor. I mean, a perfect stout. Uh, I just really enjoyed it, and I thought that they did a, a great job. So th- that one I recommend. If you guys, anyone does go to Iceland, make sure you you find this beer. I'll put it in the show notes so you can under- you can see which ones I'm I'm talking about. But um, that one is definitely worth uh, drinking. And he actually said that all the beer from Borg were really good. So if you can try to stop by the Borg Brewery, and drink all of them for yourself. Uh, the other one we tried was the Viking Olergard or Olgard Viking Stout, another stout. This is a regular stout, 5.8%, but still a decent, um, kind of in the, in the style of like maybe an export stout. It was really, you know, good, uh, 5.8%, not very powerful, you know, right in the decent uh, stout range. Uh, good flavor, really good roastiness, uh, good body, uh, really enjoyable. I think I gave that one like a four and a half also. I can't remember what I rated. I didn't put the ratings on here. And, uh, oh, you know what? Those are the only two. Brugas, number seven. Yeah, I guess I only mentioned two. But there was another Imperial Stout that was uh, barrel-aged. Um, Russian Imperial Stout, it was way, way boozy. Uh, it was good, hmm. but my gosh, it was like way over over the top booziness. It kind of almost out of the a little bit too much sweetness to it. Um, it was good. It was it was a good style. It wasn't bad. It just was wasn't our favorite. We enjoyed the other two uh, more. And it was either I think it was twelve percent. I think it was twelve percent if I remember correctly. But yeah. Um, but I also got to share a can, one of my cans of Hetty Topper, with them, and we did the the taste test. I made sure that they each tried it in the can. And they tried it in a glass. And I asked him, what do you guys prefer, in the glass or in the can? And Adi, he agrees with me and says the can is better. And our buddy Alex said, you know what, he, he kind of likes the glass better. So there you go. It's, you know, you never know. Everyone enjoys things a little bit different. So Hetty Topper is good in a glass or in a can, either way. More yeah. a- anecdotal science. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that that was my little uh, noteworthy thing. Um, I mean, I did a bunch of uh, outings at different breweries, but I just want to talk about this bottle share because it meant the most to me. Um, also, at a side note, um, Alex also brewed his own uh, in a stout. A Rush- I think it was uh, I think it was a Russian Imperial Stout with, uh, but he put in some uh, Jack uh, bourbon. He, he soaked uh, oak chips in bourbon. And then he put the bourbon chips into the beer. And at first, I, I didn't get to try this beer when it was fresh because he went to vacation and came back and then gave me the bottle to try. Um, so I had it a few weeks later than he did. But when he first tried it, he said, wow, it's way too boozy because the, the Jack Daniel or the bourbon, whatever, I think he used, I'm not sure what 
what he used for the bourbon. He used a bourbon. He said it came across way too strong. But I, but I'll tell you what, after it settled out a little bit and aged, um, and I drank my bottles, wow, uh, it was perfectly flavored. I, I thought that his oak chips and the bourbon flavor came out just the right amount. It wasn't too boozy. It wasn't too strong. Uh, it was really pleasant, had great flavor. And I think he's going to enter, uh, a bottle or two into the Israeli homebrew uh, competition they're having later uh, in the summertime. So I look forward to seeing how that fares over in, in his homeland. Uh, it'd be it'd be nice to see him win a, a medal while he's living in America. So, <laughs> and yeah. and and also he also brewed um, an amber ale that is uh, fantastic. I had I just had it today to try to prep for our amber ale tasting notes i just want to you know try a good amber ale and i'll tell you what i'm not a huge amber ale fan but he knocked this one out of the ballpark it it definitely i think could win some you know some kind of an award at a homebrew contest because it's really 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 good i i loved it i i need to go ask him to grab you know give me some more bottles so i can drink it because i know he's having trouble you know when you when you homebrew and especially when you're living by yourself uh, that's a lot of beer right he's brewing up five gallons at a time and he's bottling it all and now he's got all these bottles that he's got to drink because he's got to free up the bottles for the next batch he's he's brewing so i might help him out with that and drink some of that amber get it off his out of his cabinets yeah nice thing about bottles when you're home brewing those it's easy to farm them out to people yeah say empty these and bring them back and you'll get more yeah exactly so exactly it's a, it's a little more difficult with the uh, kegs. kegs you gotta be get people willing to take growlers, which is a little bit more of an ask. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. All right, John. So in the last two weeks to a month, since you've been on the show, what have you drank that you would love to share with our listeners to see if they have an opportunity to grab one themselves? All right. So, uh, I've taken a bit of a page out of your book. Okay. And I've been hitting my cellar a bit. Oh, good. Um, so talk about a couple from there and then uh, a more recent uh, acquisition. So uh, first up from Payette, uh, picked up a couple versions of their 12-gauge Imperial Stout that you've talked about mm-hmm. um, in the past, you know, really good beer. Um, so we had their uh, barrel-aged 12-gauge and then their Mexican chocolate barrel-aged 12-gauge. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's the one I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, my, my daughter's favorite. <laughs> ooh, that, I, I liked the Mexican chocolate version better than the standard barrel-aged version. Um, the, the chocolate was just really smooth and really nice, uh, but, you know, uh, didn't get overly sweet or anything like that. Uh, boy, that beer was just a pleasure um to drink yeah i i really enjoyed that one and i've seen it still around uh, at a couple of the bottle shops so i might actually go grab some more of that mexican chocolate version you should and, you uh, should it's really it's... just to drink right now i think <laughs> i'm gonna age it uh is really good so awesome um, yeah that one uh is excellent so if you're in the the pay up footprint you can grab it um definitely do um, and then, uh, if you are in Fremont Brewing's ever growing footprint, uh, you definitely need to pick up some of their, uh, bourbon barrel aged dark star. Um, I know they just expanded to SoCal and, uh, buddies down there were 
picking some stuff up, so that's nice. Um, but uh, yeah, Bourbon Barrel Age, Dark Star, which is their uh, oatmeal stout, um, is just a phenomenal beer. This is one of the like first barrel aged beers that really like opened my eyes to barrel aging um, as a good, a really good thing, you know. Uh, and so it's always special for me when I get to crack open one of these. And this was the one I had most recently was from 2015. So it had been, been, uh, resting a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think it got better with that little bit of age? Um, I don't know. I, I <laughs> tend to enjoy it all the time. Okay. okay. Um, for me, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it, it tends to hit five caps for me every time. Okay. So, well, good. Um, yeah, it maybe small nuances are different, but it's still very enjoyable. Okay. Um, so, uh, my last beer, I had to, you know, I, I couldn't follow Denny's rules of once you set your top 10, you can't change your top 10. <laughs> um, and I actually had to call an audible and I made a, a last minute substitution, um, to put in this last beer, which is from Powerhouse Restaurant and Brewery, uh, place we just went to last night. Oh, wow. Is there, uh, up Plum Creek? Uh, oh, wow. So sour, uh, with cherries. And, uh, so this is a creek that they also ha- had plums in, mm-hmm. and then it was also aged in a whiskey barrel. Oh, wow. And, I mean, the beer was very nice by itself. Great uh, um, cherry character. The whiskey character was just kind of fleeting in the back. It was really nice. I was a little nervous um, how the whiskey character would interact. Yeah, with, um, the, with the plums, right? Yeah, and and the sour in general, mm-hmm. you know, you just don't see it that often, and I think it's hard to pull off. Um, but this was very nice, and I really enjoyed it. But the reason that it had to enter this noteworthy list is I've mentioned in the past that my mother-in-law hates beer. Oh, <laughs> absolutely hates beer, and I've made it my quest that I will break her. You'll find one she likes, right? One that she'll enjoy. And I quote, "I would drink that." That's what she said when I last tasted. So, uh, and I think, you know, the tartness on this wasn't too high. It wasn't super sour. Um, but, you know, I think it was close enough to some of the wine and mm-hmm. things that she would drink that yeah, yeah. she was open to it. Um, so now I, I know my avenue, you know, that I'm going to have to pursue here. So, uh, you know, that's, that's about as big of a recommendation as you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, from her, yeah, her beer. yeah, <laughs> and and you know, John, I would have I would have had to try the beer just alone on the name. You know how I'm a sucker for great beer names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, they did it right on that one. So, well, all right. How about you? What are your noteworthy beers over the last two weeks? Okay, I um I had three. I try to keep it to three, and then last night, like you. I visited uh, a, a brewery and uh, I had to put another on my list. And you know what? I'll just talk about that one first. The, the, the newest one that I added. So I have four all together this week, but I'll, I'll go quick. I uh, last night my son took my wife and I out to dinner to uh, just say thank you for all the uh, all the support we give him. He just wanted to pay us back by taking us to dinner and, and drinking some beers. So he took us to Sockeye Brewery. 
And as I mentioned in the last episode, I've been visiting that brewery quite a bit lately. They've really stepped up their beer and their service. I, st- I didn't visit Sakai mainly because I didn't like their service. And they have two breweries in the area, I mean, two, two facilities, and both of them really were lacking in service. And, you know, if I don't get good service, I have other places that can give me good beer. But I'll tell you what, their service in the last three visits we've been there in the last, in the last couple of weeks has been phenomenal. I have to just take my hat off to them. They've really turned the corner. Not only great beer, but good service. So one of the beers I, I hadn't had from them before, in fact, it's a, I think it's a new, fairly new beer, uh, released. Well, maybe it was last year they had it. I just didn't have it last year. I can't remember it, but it's fairly new to me is, uh, the Lonesome Larry Lager. And it's a lager and it's a light American lager, which is a style that nobody really likes, right? It's, you know, who wants to drink a light American lager that reminds you of Budweiser or, you know, you know, some, some beers that you don't, you know, you're not going to pay a high end price for a beer that you can go, you know, get a 24 case for cheap. But I tried it and I'm so glad I did because if this is the way that all American domestic light lagers tasted, I'd be drinking it by the keg as I think is what I put on my check in. This beer was fantastic. Super easy to drink. Great flavor. No no creamy corn crappy flavor in there that kind of takes over the you know everything it's it had a, a little bit of a biscuity flavor in there very light very refreshing very easy to drink very enjoyable um i recommend all of the people listening to the show in the Boise area go out and try this light lager i don't think you'll be disappointed now don't go in there thinking it's going to be big flavorful like an ipa go in there you know thinking about okay if i was at uh, you know, uh, a NASCAR race and I had to drink a light lager, what would I want to drink? And this is the beer you want to drink at the NASCAR races. So what do you guys say about that, John? Uh, you know, the, the place we were at last night made one too. Really? Which I was surprised to see. And they, uh, their website uses the untapped, you know, powered by untapped for their tap listing. So it pops up the, um, the ratings or the ratings and that one wasn't rated as highly which really tends to happen for those unless they're like tremendous, you know, those types of beers tend to get a bump down yeah. um, from some people just because of the style. Of the style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, and that's why, but, again, that's why I rate my beers according to style because this beer wouldn't get, you know, a high rating if I was rating against all the other more flavorful beers, but for what it is fantastic. And, you know, like I said, if this if this is what what you know American domestic big beer lagers tasted like, you know, light lagers, I would be drinking it all the time because it was it was great. It was great. All right, let's go into some uh, little heavier beers now. And um, so I gave that beer a four point five. I almost gave it a five, but then I thought, okay, am I rating this against? Light lagers, which I only have probably one, it would be a five. But I, I kind of said, you know what? If I had to base it on a, you know, all like pale lagers, then it would probably be a four and a half because I have had some pale lagers that were uh, a little bit better. So I kind of went with a four point five. I, I had a five and I moved it down to four point five. I don't know why. I'm just fickle that way. 
But uh, let's go into my fives. I have three beers that I rated a perfect five. Yes, in two weeks, I had three beers that I gave a five-cap rating. I thought I had a resolution to reduce or to be more stringent with my fives, but sorry. When I drink great beer, I have to recognize them. And the first beer on my recognized list is the Occidental Hefeweizen. And this is a brewery out of Portland area that has started... Uh, bringing their beer into the Boise area. I've only had this one beer. I need to get the other ones they're offering. But I'll tell you what, this is a German Hef style that is, in my books, perfect. Uh, it has banana. It has clove. It has, you know, everything that you want in a good German Hef. Uh, good body. The, the wheat, you know, the, it was just a fantastic beer. Um, I had nothing negative to say about it. It's in a big 16 ounce can and, the artwork is pretty nostalgic. You know, it goes kind of old school with the artwork. Uh, and I have, I appreciate it. So if you can get Occidental, uh, try the Hef. I recommend it. Five cap rating from me. Have you had that, John? No, I have not. Okay, go find it. Let me know what you think because I love a good German Hef. And this thing is meets everything that, you know, I, I would want in, in a Hef. Yeah, when a Hef's done well. They're very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but that's one of those styles that I think when it goes south, it goes south really fast. True, true. Yeah, that's so. true. All right. The next one is I've mentioned a few times now that now Founders is in my area. And I've picked up every single Founders beer that's come into Boise. And the one that um, that I'm rating a five right now is their Founders Fruitwood. It's a, what is it, cherry it's got cherry flavor with on wood, so it's that's why I call it fruit wood. It's a fruit beer, and as far as fruit beers, I don't find anything wrong with this beer. I absolutely enjoyed it. I drank the whole 750 milliliter bottle uh, pretty easily. It wasn't too sweet. I've heard some people say it's too sweet. No, I don't think it's too sweet. I think it's got a little sweetness to it, but it's definitely not cloying or aggressive in the sweetness. Where and I'm really sensitive to the sweetness too. And if I don't think it's that sweet, then really it's not that sweet. So, John, have you had the Fruitwood yet? Nope. What? Striking out all over with you. What is wrong with you? Come on, this is a great beer. I wanted to hear your your take on it because I really enjoyed this beer. Yeah, no. I mean, we, we all get the founders now, but I uh, haven't been back to the bottle shop recently, so okay, haven't seen it. All right, well, to all my Michigan friends out there, Cheers to you, uh, and I'm glad that I've got Michigan beer in my state. All right, the last one I'm going to talk about is a brewery that I revisited. Um, in fact, this brewery was the when it was named, it was bought by a new owners a couple years ago. Uh, the original owners, it was called Half Brewing. It's here in the Boise area. It's a small little uh, microbrewery. I think they have like a a five-barrel system, or maybe, yeah, I think it's five-barrel system. Uh, maybe even smaller than five-barrel. It's a small brewery. I, I need to find out what their brewing system is. But uh, it was half brewing, and, and honestly, it was a wor- in my opinion, it was the worst brewery of 16 breweries in the area at the time they opened. And I said, there's no way they're going to stay in business. And sure enough, a year after they opened, uh, they sold. And when the new owners came in, they uh, changed the name to Bella Brewing. And I've had a couple tastes from from different things uh, over the last year and a half. I think they've been open maybe a year. I can't remember when they bought it. Maybe a year and a half, two years. 
And I thought, wow, they're, they're doing good stuff. So I needed to make time to go over there and try some of their beers. So I did. I did it uh, last Tuesday. Well, Tuesday before last. And they had 13 beers on tap, which is a good thing, too. And I and they uh, they had a flight. I got a flight of all 13 beers. And they come in nice, like, five-ounce pour glasses. Um, and I, I'll tell you what. I went there before dinner, and when I left, thank goodness my wife drove me because I was feeling pretty darn good uh, drinking all that 13 beers, uh, five-ounce tasters uh, on an empty stomach. I was feeling good. And there were so many. I didn't rate any beer below a three-cap uh, rating, which is pretty decent. And the one I want to talk about that really was the the best rated one I gave them and the one that hit everything in my taste buds was the one that's called uh, Bob's Lager, and it's a dark lager. And this beer had such wonderful flavor. It had some of that, uh, some of that roasty dark malt in there. Not, not too, not, I won't say roasty. I'll say toasty, like John. I want to make sure I use the right word. Some toasty <laughs> malt in there, uh, lager uh, sweetness, not too sweet, good mouthfeel, very easy drinking, but had fantastic flavor. I fell in love with it. They just released this one like like the week before I showed up, so I felt lucky to be able to taste it. I've been telling all my friends, my beer drinking friends, to go over to Bella and try this lager. You will not be disappointed. I gave it a perfect five-cap rating for the dark, dark lager style. Uh, incredible. Incredible. So those – Nope. I have not had that one. No, it's only it's only in Boise. They don't, they don't bottle. Yeah, no, I, I didn't have um, to ask that. Yeah, but I'm I'm on their website. I was looking uh, to see if I could find the size. Um, but uh, it looks like they have maybe a ten barrel. No, it's way seven too seven barrel, something like that. Um, in the picture, really. So because yeah. all their fermenters are all smaller fermenters, they have like. Uh, they're like small fermenters. I, I don't know what size they were. They might be six. I was thinking they were like six barrel. What's the smallest fermenters they make as far as production? Uh, they make them. I mean, you can get conicals down to, I mean, like professional ones down to like two or three barrels. Oh, it's bigger. So, yeah. They're, they're, these are probably. And I'd guess seven. Seven? Then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They're probably seven barrels. Is they're they're small. They fit into a pretty small area. Um, I took yeah, a, it's hard to tell. This picture is tiny, and they don't actually say on their website. So yeah, and I took a picture of the a, a quick picture of the uh, of the layout. And let me see if I can find. Let me blow this picture up and see if I can. I don't um, know. It looks like a neat. I mean, it is. It looks like a tight tight brewing space. Um, yeah. Well, let me forward this picture to you, John. And you tell me what size that is. Because you're the master. You know about all this stuff. I don't know. I'm not a brewer. I don't know this stuff. You're you're the uh, homebrew engineer. So, okay. So, yeah, Bella Brewing. If you're in the Boise area, check them out. Uh, if you went to half and didn't like it, go back to Bella. They are doing stuff right. And the service was top-notch. Fantastic service. Again, if you have great beer and you have great service, you're going to get my business. That's what I look for. Okay, John, are you ready for some listener feedback? Oh, yeah. Okay, because we've got some listener feedback. And I'm going to start it off. And we have uh, Chad LaMassa. 
he emailed us the following. And uh, I appreciate Chad because as you listen to the email, you'll see that he's an he's a uh, um, oh gosh I lost uh, the word I was going to use, but he's uh, he's he's not a youngin. He's more like my age, and I appreciate that. I like to find guys that are a little bit older into the craft beer uh, scene, and and his journey is similar. You know, maybe it might be similar to mine. So he says, "Hey guys, uh, first I want to say thanks for the shout out on episode sixty seven. I was listening, and John read my comment about Rogue Beer, and I actually got excited. Let me give you a little background on my craft beer journey. Uh, I Hey, I love to hear about your craft beer journeys, people. Send them in. I love it. Just keep sending them in. Uh, my first illegal beers were a warm case of National Bohemian, or as we called it in Baltimore, Natty Bow. But my, uh, my buddies and I gave... Someone twenty dollars to buy us a case of beer, and told him he could keep the what was left over. He came back with a natty bow, so I still have a soft spot for that beer. When I got to college in 1990, my go-to was Miller Genuine Draft and Red Dog. It wasn't until I graduated and got home to Baltimore that I started to learn about craft beers. So I've had that National Bohemian before, and oh my gosh, it's not very good. And I know why that whoever he gave the money to bought it because this kind of some cheap beer. So that guy made off with, you know, $15 of his money, I think. Um, but hey, I, I was in the same boat. You know, we we stood outside the Safeway in our small town and we gave the same thing, $20 for someone to go pick up, uh, you know, whatever, uh, 24 pack of beer and uh, a bottle of two liter uh, Coors or coolers, uh, wine coolers, because you got to have something for the women too. So, uh, or the girls. So, so I, I know where he's standing. So we, we kind of have something similar right there. Uh, he said he met uh, a local band near the end of 1994, and the bass player became his craft beer mentor. He introduced me to things like Boston Lager, Anchor Steam, J.W. Dundee's Honey Brown, and Pete's Wicked L, which, I, which he says he misses immensely. And I never looked back to macros after that. And uh, that's a good little uh, list there. I've had all those beers before. And I remember that honey brown, and you know what? That honey brown wasn't so bad, actually. <laughs> I like that beer, um, but I don't know if it. I had two of those beers. You only <laughs> I had bet two you of can them. Guess which two? <laughs> uh, the Boston Lager, Lager and the Aust- and Anchor Steam. There you go. Yeah, Pete's Wicked Ale. Uh, they went out of business before you could drink, so uh, that's probably why you haven't had them. I know of Pete's Wicked Ale though, just from uh, you know learning about the history of craft beer and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that um, it's it's I've had all four of them, and uh, yeah, they're all good beers. I like them all. I even, I mean, I even drank. I mean, Pete's Wicked Ale was one of those first, you know, uh, easily to get uh, non-macro beer. You know, they weren't the standard Budweiser stuff. They actually had flavor and they had de- you know good styles and stuff. It was actually you know decent back in the day. Uh, so yeah. Okay, so here's his question. He says, my question to you guys is, how did you start your craft beer journeys? Did you have a mentor? What were some of the craft beers you cut your teeth on? And, uh, you know, I don't know. We kind of talked about this in the early shows. Uh, John, why don't you go ahead and start since I just got done chatting up a storm. Why don't you tell us uh, how you got your craft, how you started in craft beer, if you had a mentor, and what were your go-to beers? Yeah, so I was, uh, I was exposed to craft beer through my parents. Um, <laughs> good parenting. And 
yeah, you know, when we go on our road trip vacations, we'd stop at all the brew pubs and we would sample all the root beers and they would have the beers. Um, and, uh, you know, so we, although my, my dad always had his, uh, pack of PBR in the house because he knew that he'd have something to drink, we had, you know, craft beers in the house as well. Um, and, uh, so that's how I was kind of exposed to it. Um, and, uh, I, I wouldn't say that I really had a mentor. Um, but, uh, it was kind of, I, by the time I got to drinking age, you know, I, I knew that there was other stuff out there already. Um, and while I couldn't necessarily afford it right away, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, when I could, I would get, um, you know, new things. And I actually, uh, so what I kind of started with, um, was branching out into things like Guinness and Newcastle, um, and then transitioning into other like brown ales and that kind of thing. Um, which is actually how I kind of got going. Mm -hmm. So, okay. There you go. That's me. How about you? For me, um, it, it's interesting that, uh, you know, that we have kind of Chad and I have a similar start period, right? Right around the, the early 90s is when uh, I started experimenting with other beers besides just the domestic stuff. And again, Miller Junior Draft was a go-to beer back in that time frame. Same thing he was doing. And I, you know, I was doing the same thing. That was a widely available one. It had more flavor than, than the uh, other stuff. Um, and it wasn't so expensive. I was in the Navy. Um, back in the nineties, uh, you didn't get paid very much when you were in the military. So I had a family, two kids, uh, and I, I didn't have the money to go out and, and only drink the good quality craft beer. But what I did is I probably about 92, 93, I started to, um, you know, and I, I don't remember who first introduced me to beers other than the domestic stuff. I don't remember at what point uh, at a party or at a get together or whatever I tried, uh, most likely, uh, I think Alaskan Amber was one of the first ones I had. Um, Black Butte Porter was the first dark beer Porter I had. I fell in love with that beer as first time I drank it. I had Red Hook ESB was one of the beers that, that, uh, I really enjoyed for the, the bitterness. And back then that really was bitter. You know, I, I've mentioned that they've changed their beer style a little bit. So it's not as bitter as it was when I was drinking it back in the early nineties, but I'll tell you what, the one, the turning point for me to where I fell in love with craft beer was when, um, I visited the Thomas Kemper brewery. It was in right outside of, uh, Silverdale, Poulsbo, Washington area, right outside the base where I was stationed. And our team would go there after work on Fridays and we would, you know, get out early and go and, uh, and, and spend three or four hours at the brewery drinking beer and drinking craft beer that was all, you know, made there and made in small batches. Uh, we play horseshoes, darts. They had a bunch of outside games. We just would spend the whole, you know, three or four hours out there. We'd bring our families and we'd, you know, we'd bring a, a picnic lunch and we'd eat and drink and, and have a great time. And both my wife and I fell in love with the craft beer. She loved the blueberry, they had a dark lager that was a blueberry dark lager that she loved. And I, you know, I just loved all their beer. They had a Hefeweizen that was really good. And they had, um, 
they had another lager that was really good too. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. They also had a raspberry wheat that was uh, very tasty, but that beer came across way. I mean, if you had one, it was okay, but if you had more than one, it was too sweet, right? You can only have one of those beers. But uh, that's that was a, my turning point where I really appreciate craft beer. The problem is I couldn't uh, afford to have it all the time, so I would have the cheaper stuff, and then I would, you know, every so often I go get a six pack of the Thomas Kemper. Um, they did sell it in bottles in our local store, so I was able to go and, and grab some of that. And I, I always grabbed, uh, you know, a, a six pack of the Black Butte Porter and, and the ESB and the Alaskan Amber. Those are probably the, the beers that were my early go-to or, or what I cut my teeth on, a, a good variety of, of, of styles. Um, it wasn't until the late 90s that I really started embracing uh, where, and actually when the IPAs first started coming out in my, I mean, as far as I was exposed was, was the late nineties, like 98 um, was right when the first IPAs and I, and probably the first one that I really enjoyed was not even called IPA. It was the full cell extra special Pell. Um, they didn't even call it an IPA because back then it was just a hoppy Pell Ale. Uh, and that, that was her 10th anniversary of that brewery being open. Now they've been open 27 years, right? It's been 17 years after I first had that beer. And that was when I fell in love with the IPA style was, uh, 17 years ago. So yeah, it's pretty, you know, pretty amazing. So that's my, uh, my, my story. And you can hear all about that too. If you go back and listen to the first couple episodes of the, of the podcast, I pretty much spell out my craft beer journey. And I hope I didn't, uh, I hope I just said the same thing I said back then. <laughs> yeah, it was all different and, uh, people are going to write in angrily. Like yeah. You're changing history. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, Chad finishes off his email by saying, I have finally finished bring, binging on all the episodes. It's, it took me about two months. I really appreciate all the comments on Untap page, which he says he resumed after hearing us talk about it. And he loves the podcast and has told several people about it, and he's hoping that they give it a listen. Keep up the great work, and he can't wait for episode 69. All right, Chad. Well, here it is. It's episode 69. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, thanks. And uh, also from our buddy Jason Lacey at JW Lacey of the Fux Pose and Battle of the Beer uh, podcast and video series, respectively. I uh, mentioned to us on Twitter, uh, and it's time for Tap the Craft. Since I have a request for a future intro, Manfred Band's Earth Band, you know the song. Do you know the song, John? I don't know the song. Oh, come on, I don't man. even know Manfred Band's <laughs> Earth Band. So, <laughs> Well, you know what? It's a good thing that I'm here because I know the song because everyone knows this song. And you will know the song, too, if you listen to the start of this show. You heard it. So, I, hey, so I'm going to keep it in suspense. That uh, oh, everyone will, right. will learn. They'll, they'll know what the song is when uh, you hear it in the beginning of the show. So. And then after they've heard the song, they're like, how could you not know that song? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he said, uh, he, I, I forgot to write some other. We, we, we talked back and forth. And one of the comments he says is that it seems like he, every time him and his wife are on a, on a road trip, the song plays on the radio as they're driving, which is true. Same thing with. When we were you know, always on road trips, we'd have the radio on, and this song always plays. It's a pretty popular song for especially classic rock, um, you know, stations. All right, so we had another comment 
Uh, another uh, feedback from our buddy Tom Joseph from Twitter. He mentions, another great show. Again, I love the East Coast participation. Maybe a show with all three of you again, which that was, we were supposed to have all oh, three of us. Yeah. yeah, that was the plan. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. Sorry <laughs> we had to deviate from the plan, but don't worry. We're going to have Chris on more this year. I've already promised you guys that, and he's doing a great job, and we need to get him on with John's. So uh, it'll happen. Don't worry. Yeah, I needed somebody else to argue with about Untapped. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> All right, he says I ha he has a few questions and comments. So the question he has, he says, I love the review of Untapped. He says, what is the proper etiquette for late check-ins? Is it next day, a week later, or if you miss it, you don't post it at all? So, John, what do you think about Untapped check-in etiquette? Is Do you think there is any real etiquette, or what do you like to see? Um, I... I don't really care. Whatever you want to do, I'm not going to like be upset about it. But uh, personally, I usually try to do it as soon as possible if I didn't get to it. Um, although there are times where I remember in the morning, I'm like, "Yeah, I don't really want to log this at uh, eight <laughs> o'clock. I'm about to leave for work, you know." Uh, so I'll, I'll try to remember when I get home mm -hmm. um, to do that. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I see people all the time that, like, all right, well, there's no way you're doing all this, you know, starting at 7 a.m. on Thursday. Yeah, or yeah. You're probably not doing that, it's, you know. Um, but, uh, and I, I know people do it for festivals as well. Yeah. Um, where they'll usually mark up whatever handout you get at the festival and uh, and do it afterwards. But it doesn't bother me okay. um, either way. How about you? Okay. For me, I'll, I'll just talk about my etiquette. My etiquette is I log it at the time I drink it because if I don't, then it's never getting logged because I won't remember <laughs> that what I, you know, and it's happened before. If I don't log it at the time I drink it or if I don't write it down, like if I'm at a festival, I won't log it as I'm getting it because I don't have time. I'm having too much fun getting beers or whatever. So what I'll do is I'll just mark it on. If, if they have a nice brochure, I'll mark them and I'll take notes on the on the pamphlet, and then I'll log them in later when I when I'm resting and recovering from the hangover I had from the beer festival. Um, but if I'm drinking the beer on a normal you know out night out uh, with the friends or at a restaurant or at home, uh, if I don't log it at the moment that I drink it or at least start to log in, what I'll do is I'll take a photo and I'll start to log in. Then I'll drink the beer and then I'll come back to my untapped. And luckily, hopefully, it's still the first thing on there. And then I'll I'll check into it, or yeah, yeah I'll check into it, add the photo, uh, make my comments, and then check in. So usually, my check in is within, you know, fifteen minutes after I finish drinking the beer. Or uh, sometimes I'll even drink half the beer if it's a twenty two ounce bottle. I'll drink my first glass of it, then check it in, and then finish the, the second glass. Um, and that's just my preference because that's the way I work. If I don't do it that way, I forget. And I'm not going to log beers in that I forget later on. If I, there's, there's a number of beers that I have had that I go in and see that I'm not checked into. And I'm like, well, I know I've had that beer, but I'm not going to check into it because I should have checked into it the moment I had it. And it's my loss. So that's the way I do it. Now, I don't care if people check into it the next day or later that night or, you know, even two or three days later. It doesn't bother me. What bothers me though, is when people don't check in and then all of a sudden they spam my timeline with 
50 check-ins. That bothers me. And it's not a, and, and it's not a, a festival, right? It's like, oh, I've been saving these check-ins for a month and now I'm going to spend the time to check them in. No, come on. I, that's ridiculous. I wish there was a way that you could select not to show on, you know, not to, if there was an option in the check-ins that say, don't spam my friends, right? That'd be great uh, if you could do that. Uh, but that's what bothers me. I don't like my timeline being spanned by 50 check-ins. So, Yeah, it's never fun. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you know what? I'd uh, be curious, uh, Tom, to find out what you think, you know, what how you feel about check-in etiquette. So let us know. Write us back and let me know how you feel about late check-ins or how you uh, do it. Do you, if you don't get it on the time you drank it, do you dismiss it or do you check in late? Uh, it won't bother me if you check in late. So, John, why don't you go ahead and finish his last comments since uh, I've been talking a lot. He says, also, you mentioned the beer you had to pour out and the positive response you received from the brewery. And as I mentioned before, some of the local breweries are doing juicy IPAs and sours. One brewery canceled an entire release and poured out all the beers for the week. Their reasoning was that the hops were not quality and the beer didn't taste right. Instead of releasing subpar beer, they threw it all out for the week. That brewery, Vale also releases beers that have fruit extract or pulp added, and they actually post online the consumer needs to keep the beer cold because of possible further fermentation. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, good point. Good Quality point. comes first. That it, should be everybody's motto. It does, it does. And I will tell you what, I think the breweries that don't follow this motto and they end up selling their beer maybe at a discount at the brewery because it's not that great, they're doing a service to their brewery and to their their uh, customer base. Uh, unless it's just, I mean, it's one thing if the beer doesn't have the exact pre- flavor profile they're looking for, maybe change the name and, and sell something else. But if it's got any kind of quality issue that just makes it taste like it's not very good, don't sell it. Just take the loss because you don't want to have people come in and say, man, this is tasting, you know, all these off flavors or whatever. You don't want that. So um, I, I have to raise my glass to any brewery that has the courage uh, and a fortitude to just dump their beer instead of serving subpar beer. Yeah, and if the for those that are screaming at a bu- about a bubble with all the breweries that are out there right now, like those that don't focus on quality, well, that's where the bubble's going to pop. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, wow, John, that was some pretty good feedback and questions. And you know what? If any of our other listeners out there want to be like Chad, Jason, and Tom, and uh, write into the show. You can do that. You can write into the show with comments or questions through our email address at tapthecraft at gmail.com, or you can do like Tom did and hit us up on Twitter at tapthecraft. And, of course, you know Chris McKenzie and myself would and John would love to see your interaction on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. Go, uh, go visit our page. And, of course, uh, it's the time of the show where we want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting our show because, you know what, they provide our hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we know you're going to find some other great shows like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer. And if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpenFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as OpenFormRadio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, 
The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz segment, and the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing all kinds of various beer-related topics. And of course, as we already mentioned, this week we will be discussing the American Amber L uh, BJCP style guidelines. And it's part of the Amber and Brown American Beer category. It's a subcategory of that. And then the uh, category is uh, it contains American or modern American amber and brown warm fermented beers of standard strength that can be balanced to bitter. And, of course, this subcategory is the American Amber Ale style, also known as the Red Ale, too. Right, John? It can be amber or red. Am I am I incorrect with the... I mean, it used to be the Amber Ale and Red Ale were in the same category. Is it still that way? Uh, for American beers, yes. There is an Irish Red okay. category, and that's kind of its own thing. Okay. So. Okay. All right. We're going to start with the overall impression. And it's an amber, hoppy, moderate-strength American craft beer with a caramel malty flavor. And it says the balance can be very can vary quite a bit. Some versions will be fairly malty and others will be aggressively hoppy. And the hoppy and the bitterness versions should not have clashing flavors with the caramel malt profile. So that's an important uh, aspect there. Uh, going into the aroma... It can be a low to moderate hop aroma with characteristics typical of American or New World hop varieties such as citrus, floral, pine, resinous, uh, spicy, tropical fruit, stone fruit, berry, or melon. Uh, citrusy hop character is common but is not required. Uh, moderately low to moderately high maltiness, usually with a moderate caramel character, which can either support, balance, or sometimes mask the hop presentation. Esters can vary from moderate to none at all. Uh, that's a pretty, you know what, John? I didn't realize how broad uh, this style really is. I, I thought it was uh, a little bit more, you know, uh, focused in. But it seems like it can be a lot of stuff. Yeah, and to me, this, I feel like, should be more narrow. Yeah. Um, because I, I would much rather that they hone in on the flavor aspects of it rather than like the flavor and aroma rather than the, the color. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's more important in terms of defining a style yeah. than the color, yeah. which is represented on their score sheets as well, where appearance is three points and uh, aroma and flavor together is 32. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> you know, that, that should give you an idea of how those should, should go. Wow. Um, you know, cause when you're, Getting into the hoppier versions, well, maybe you just have a, a slightly dark pale ale at this point. True, true. You know, and what are we talking about? So, uh, yeah, it, it kind of bothers me when they get really open into with these, on, especially on things that are are defined. I mean, yeah. you know, some of the like old world styles are like, yeah, we're kind of guessing because there's nobody that's really doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at least from the old old times. Um, but this is defined. I mean, it's only been around for, you know, 30 years. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are we, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, John. Well, since you already said how important the appearance is, the, the mass uh, three points, why don't you 
hit us off with the appearance uh, of this uh, amber ale. Yeah, so to get you three freebies, um, <laughs> your beer should be uh, it should be amber to coppery brown in color, um, moderately large off white head with good retention, and generally quite clear. Although dry hop versions may be slightly hazy. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and the uh, flavor, uh, moderate to high hop flavor with characteristics typical of American or New World hop varieties. Like all the ones I already said, yeah. (laughs) Um, Citrus hop character is common but not required. I don't know why they feel they need to throw that in there either after the last sentence. But um, malt flavors are moderate to strong and usually show an initial malty sweetness followed by a moderate caramel flavor. Uh, sometimes other character malts in lesser amounts. Uh, malt and hot bitterness are usually balanced and mutually supportive, but can vary either way. Fruity esters, moderate to none. Uh, caramel sweetness and hot flavor slash bitterness can linger somewhat into the medium to full finish. Hmm. And I would say fruity esters should be none. And I say that because I think that that's one of the defining characteristics between American and English okay. uh, style beers. Okay. Um, just British yeasts tend to be more estery in that the fruity estery, you know, kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. And U.S. yeast is tends to be cleaner. Mm-hmm. So personally, I don't think it should be there. Um, but uh, all right. Well, they need to contact you so they can make corrections to their guidelines. I think. That'd be smart for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I, I I mentioned a medium to full finish. So what's the uh, what's the mouthfeel going to be like? Well, guess what? Yeah, a medium to medium full body with a medium to high carbonation. So, uh, yeah, that makes. I mean, I I don't mind the medium carbonation. I think high carbonation can be a little bit a little much for me. But hey, it's in the style. So who am I to to judge? I'm not a judge. Uh, the overall, overall, it's going to have a smooth finish without any astringency. So that's key. You don't want to have your puckering uh, cheeks going on there. You want to have a nice smooth finish. Uh, stronger versions may also have a slight alcohol warmth. And I don't want to see any alcohol warmth in my Amber Ales. What about you, John? Is is that something? No. That, yeah, I don't. Yeah. And they have these, I mean, spoiler alert, going up to like 6.2% in the guidelines. <laughs> And that is way too high for an amber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think, uh, but maybe they're talking if you double it up and we do a double. So maybe, but still, I don't want to have booziness. Yeah, but then it would go into the American Strong Ale or something Ah, in the category, um, which is where I think I would put the beer we're tasting tonight. Oh, well, you know what? It's okay. We would put it there, but we're going to put it in this tasting for... (laughs) For the night. <laughs> My mistake. I just wanted to make sure we tried this great beer on the show because I look forward to this uh, coming out. And I've already had a couple glasses on tap, so I thought I'd go ahead and get a bottle and see if it, it matches up. But, but, hey, we're getting sidetracked here. So let's go into the history of this style a little bit. It says, a modern American craft beer style that was developed as a variation from the American Pale Ales. It's known simply as red ales in some regions. These beers were popularized by the hop-loving Northern California and Pacific Northwest areas before spreading nationwide. So again, the hoppier versions 
with a little bit more, uh, you know, reddish uh, coloring, maybe copper coloring, uh, goes into the red ale category, which is what we're kind of drinking tonight, but it's a double red. So, All right, John, what are some characteristic ingredients that you can expect in a amber ale? Yeah, so uh, some pale ale malt, uh, typically North American two-row, uh, medium to dark crystals, uh, crystal malts, which I disagree with. <laughs> I'd say m- mediums up to like 60 level bond probably. I wouldn't go darker than that in okay. amber okay. Um, just because of the types of character you're getting from it. Yeah. Um, may also contain specialty grains, which add additional character and uniqueness. Uh, American or New World hops, often with citrusy flavors, are common, but others may also be used. Okay. Um, and then style comparison, uh, darker, more caramelly, more body, and generally less bitter in the balance uh, than American Pale Ales. Uh, less alcohol, bitterness, and hop character than red IPAs. <laughs> uh, less strength, malt, and hop character than American Strong Ales. And should not have a strong chocolate or roast character that might suggest an American brown yeah, ale. Yeah, for sure. Um, and really, uh, it says all those small amounts are okay. Uh, no, they're not. Um, <laughs> because otherwise it would have been mentioned at some point before now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which it wasn't. And uh, But... People do use uh, just tiny amounts of that to get some of that reddish color. color if you don't yeah. use a whole lot, you can get the color. Okay. Um, but then I don't know where you're going to get flavor from. Okay. So why not just use whatever you're going to use to flavor the beer to get it? But there you go. That's just me, man. I have a lot of opinions about amber ale. Who knew? I I Who didn't knew? know. I didn't know. But I'm glad. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad you do have opinion on it because that's what this is all about. Is this is what the guidelines say? But even I, the novice at uh, judging beers, still see some maybe some flaws in this. So it's good that we can point out some things that we necessarily don't agree with on what they they have in there. I'm I'm okay with it. I'm sure our listeners are too. It's because it's coming from your experience, so and our experience. All right, as John already alluded to, there are some vital statistics that are surrounding uh, amber ales. The international bittering units IBUs are between 25 and 40. Um, that's forties. Those are pretty high bittering. So it's, I mean, this guy's a little bit of bitterness in there. Um, the ABV between 4.5 and 6.2%. That's it. Alcohol by volume is going to be a very narrow window, uh, of success. And here are some commercial examples. And honestly, I, I was thinking about the first one as our tasting, uh, uh sample. Uh, a while ago, I just forgot about it until I, I put this in here. But the Schutz Cinder Cone Red Ale is a uh, commercial example. And I I enjoy that beer. That's a really good red ale. And uh, maybe we'll do that one one day, too. That would be great to to, to t- do tasting notes on that beer. Uh, I yeah. enjoy that one. Um, the uh, Full Sail Amber Ale, which you know I'm a big Full Sail. Again, these are two Oregon breweries right there off the bat. The Kona Lava Man Red Ale. Uh, which is, uh, you know, it's it's in Kona or not in Kona if you're being sued right now because you aren't getting your Hawaiian beer from Hawaii. Uh, North Coast Rudrick's Red Seal Ale, Rogue American Amber Ale, and Troeg's Hopback Amber Ale. And uh, John, that there's a that's six beers, and I 
think I've had I, I had all of them but the Troegs. Um, and I might have had that one. I have to look it up. I that's the only one I think I may not have had. Yeah, that and the Lava Man Red for me. Okay, yeah, so. I, I've had the lava. I've had a Lava Man Red before. Um, let me check that. I think I don't think I've logged it in. I've had Lava Man before. Nope, I haven't logged that one. But I've had it before. I know I've had that one before. Um, yeah, I haven't logged the Cinder Cone, but I know I've had that one. So. And you know what? I may not have uh, have logged it either because, again, I've I forget which beers that I've that I you know I, I only started this app five years ago, and I forget which ones that uh, I you know that I haven't logged in from earlier, and I and I often drink beers and forget to log them. And I haven't uh, I haven't checked into Hotback Amber, so I'm going to guess that I have not had that one. So um, that's a pretty good. We've we've had uh, quite a few of these, and I I actually like that Red Seal too. That one's pretty good. In fact, all these beers are pretty decent ambers, and I'm not a big amber fan, but um, I enjoy all of them. So good. All right, John. Any last uh, complaints or comments on the uh, Amber Ale BCG BC? BJCP uh, guidelines. I I was gonna so mess close. up, but I you almost made it all the way through. I know, I know. Um, no, I think I've said my piece. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, then let's do this, John. Let's go in, and even though this is maybe out of style because it is a double red ale, let's go ahead and pop our bottles open and do this tasting notes on our tasting note beer. That was kind of wimpy. Oh, that was nice. That was a nice pop on your end. I'm going to try to get a pouring sound here into my... Oh, uh oh don't foam up. As you, as you talk over it, it started out nice. and then you <laughs> I got a little heady. I've got right now, I'm measuring it, I've got a four-finger head on my beer. <laughs> I don't know about you, John. <laughs> I aggressively poured this thing, and it's, uh, it's a little bit aggressive. So as we um, go into the introduction of the beer, yeah, hopefully my... I got two fingers. Okay, so. good pour. Good pour on your part. All right. So, as I mentioned, we are doing the Believer, the Believer from Ninkasi Brewing. And Ninkasi is out of Eugene, Oregon. And they have a pretty wide distribution, I think, right now. I think they hit a lot of uh, states. Uh, I mean, they're growing, they're growing rapidly. I, I visited the brewery last, uh, you know, September. And I was shocked that they have, in the small area that they're at, they have like three different facilities right around the neighborhood. Uh, you know, for their brewing and, and their, I don't know how, I, I need to go visit the brewery and do a tour to find out how they're doing all their brewing. Because it looked like they had fermenters in a separate warehouse. So I don't know how they're getting their beer over there. If they are if they got, under you know, underground lines or something, I got to go find out because pretty interesting. But they've got a pretty big site. Um, and I'm hoping they're getting their beer out to most of the, the nation because they make some good beer. Uh, yeah, they, they do have beer pipes oh, okay. um, between buildings. Uh, I got to listen to a talk, um, from one of them at one of the homebrew conferences I was at. I can't remember which one. Um, but, uh, yeah, they talked about, uh, their, uh, very unplanned growth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, they just weren't ready, uh, for, the growth that they had. So it's very haphazard the way they put everything together. <laughs> it, um, it looks that way. So. It looks that way. But I'll tell you what, I had a great time uh, visiting the, the brewery and drinking there. My son and I, you know, we went there 
uh, because one of my son's favorite beers is the Otis Vanilla uh, Otis uh, Oatmeal Stout. She, he really loves that beer, and he wanted to get it on draft from the brewery, and he had a big old pint of it, and we enjoyed it. I had a pint myself because I like that beer, and it was nice. We uh, we had a good time, but, yeah, as we were driving around trying to find parking, it's kind of think about Fremont, where Fremont's at, and finding parking there, that's exactly how it is to find parking in Nakasi. It's in a neighborhood, and there's houses all around it, and there's no parking, you know, because it's a very limited, you know, parking in that in that area. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was fun. We were driving around, and I was, and we kept seeing all the pieces of the brewery. We're like, wait a minute, there's a building, and there's a building, and I mean, it was it was amazing that they were just spread out over that whole neighborhood, but. Uh, pretty cool, pretty cool. So I recommend if you guys can go and visit in Eugene, go visit Nkasi. Um, if when I have more time, I want to go and and do a tour. I love to hear about their facility. But let's move on with our tasting here. It's a style. Um, I don't know. John thinks it's probably a strong ale. Um, it might be a strong ale, but well, I mean, in terms of if I was submitting it for competition, okay, I, I would say double red ale is a good way to describe the beer if you were just handing it to somebody. Okay, double so. red ale—that's what it is, and it's at six point nine percent, so it's not that big of a beer. It's six point nine, which is pretty decent, but it's not huge, right? Eight percent or anything for a double. It's just slightly above what the the amber ale style would be, so it's not. Too yeah, bad. although we both agree that one shouldn't be that close to this. <laughs> so. And and usually double or imperial really only means maybe two percent or three percent okay. more. It's not really double. True, true, true. Okay, so. okay. Uh, IBUs, international bidding units, sixty in this sucker. Wow, it's got some uh, punch in there. I'm, I can't wait to to comment on that when we taste it. And the container size, what what you can buy this in. Now this used to only be available on draft and in 22-ounce bottles, but they have started releasing this in 12-ounce six-packs also, which is a great deal because I paid $5 for this 22-ounce bottle. I could have paid $7.99 for six 12-ounce bottles, which a per-ounce you know, cost adjustment there, I could definitely get my money's worth with you know a lot more money's value with the six-pack than the 22-ounce bottle. If I was only smart, I would have done that. Um, but yeah, so you can get it in a variety of ways. So John, now that we got our beer in our glasses, let's describe the color. All right. Um, it is, uh, definitely a, a reddish amber to it. It's definitely got like an orange, maybe an orangey hue. <laughs> Everything's orangey um, to you. Well, but this is like throughout, not in the edge of the glass, you know what I'm oh, true. Yeah. talking about? Yeah, you know. yeah. And uh, I will agree with you. Um, I'm going to agree with you on the oranginess. And you're right. It's through the glass. It's not just on the edges like you see a dark beer. Um, it's actually a nice reddish color, very clear. So the clear um, of, the, of the style is, is true. It is very clear. Um, it does have... Mine, mine seems a little murky, but not, your uh, glass is dirty, not then. too bad. Your, your glass is dirty because I can read... The text on my computer screen through it, so it's obviously clear. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and and I'm getting quite a few bubbles coming up. How about your? Can you see bubbles coming through yours? I'm getting a lot of bubbles. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do have bubbles. Okay, all right. So there's there's our coloring. Now, the head, as John mentioned, your head was a, a solid two finger. My bad pour was a solid four finger, but 
Luckily, it died down to about two finger pour uh, pretty quickly. And then I was able to fill my glass up with more beer. And now the head, after we were just holding it up and talking, um, it is uh, about, uh, it's, it's got a decent head on there. It's a, it's a half of a finger head staying steady, coarse and fine bubbles and the lacing already, you know, it filled up my glass and then came back down and the lacing is sticking to the upper half inch of, of bare glass there. So it seems to be really sticky head. How about yours, John? Yeah, same with the lacing and yeah, I've just got tiny bubbles right on top of the beer now. Um, off white. Off white. Yeah, I was I forgot to mention the color so. of the head. Yeah, it's off white. Um, yeah, it looks like a, it's a solid beer, right? I mean, this is this is what you want your beer to look like. It looks like it's going to be a, a good uh, drink. All right, John, let's take a whiff. Take a big old giant sniff of this thing, and then let's let's talk about what we smell. I definitely get a bit of a hop character mm-hmm. in there, um, but I think it's more of a piney than a citrus, like like was hammered in the uh in the guidelines for amber yeah yeah i agree um i do get some hops in there and i also agree it's more of a piney hop than than the citrus and uh i think i am smelling a little bit of the caramel uh uh, malt in there too and a little bit in the the nose a little bit of uh yeah caramel definitely a little caramel in there you don't smell any of the caramel no, there's a bit. Um, I'm actually getting a, a touch of the alcohol. Oh, really? On the nose here. Is it? Is your nose stinging? Yeah. Uh, if I take too big of a whiff. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, is it, you, it? Okay, so are you getting alcohol in, in a little bit of the sweetness? Is that how you're picking it up? Because I, I, I sense a little bit of a sweetness. It gives me kind of like a menthol. Not, I mean, you know how you breathe in menthol and your nose gets kind of uh, uh, zingy? Tingly. That's what I kind of get a little sweetness tingly when I smell it, but it doesn't doesn't smell like menthol. But yes, um, alcohol can come across uh, with a bit of a sweetness. Okay. To it. Okay. Um. So. All right. Yeah. Let's drink it. Let's let's uh, let's just move on and take a big big sip. So, definitely get uh, a bit of a like toasted biscuit. Exactly. Character. Exactly. It's definitely biscuity. Toast, yeah, toasted biscuit with a, a bitter finish. Well, I don't want to talk about finish, but it definitely goes right in the front is a biscuity. Like a, yeah, like a, like a brown, brown biscuit top. It's good though. Yeah. It's pretty even, um, in terms of sweetness to bitterness. Um, yeah. As you drink it, uh, you know, it's definitely not not into more of the paleo territory in that, even though it's a it's a double. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of stuck true to that balance, so which yeah. is very nice. Yeah, it uh, it tastes great. I um, I I really enjoy that 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 biscuity f- up front with. The, with the bitterness uh, finish, it, it cuts, I mean, it goes out really quick. And it's not, like you said, it's not coming across the sweetness that I smelt in the nose. It doesn't, doesn't come across that. It, it has a little bit in the front, but then it, it quickly goes into uh, in, into a nice bitterness. But I will say the bitterness is a little bit strong. You can definitely taste the 60 IBUs in there. 
Um, but I'm not getting piney flavor. I'm getting, I don't know, I mean, I mean, the bitterness is probably piney, but I don't get, you know, I don't get as much uh, flavor piney in there that I was expecting. The, yeah, the, I, I do get some, but it's definitely uh, that, like, toasty biscuit character is very strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just really dominating. Um, but I kind of disagree on the on the bitterness front. I, I really don't think that it um, this comes across as something with sixty IBUs. Wow, um, really? In it, and that's what I was saying to that balance. I yeah. think it's I think very it's, well. Yeah, um, for for having that those hops in it. Okay, okay. So. I I think it's balanced well too, but I still, I mean, I don't know how to explain it when. When the back of my tongue, after I finished drinking, is still got a bitter funk to it, to me that's pretty bitter. <laughs> I mean, it just stays and lingers on. Are you not getting that lingering bitterness on the back of your tongue? Not you, really. Really? No. I mean, I've I've got you know some beer flavor lingering around, but it's not uh, not a something I would describe as a bitterness that okay. I could get from some pale ales and most IPAs. Really. Wow, I, I wonder if I have a whole different bottle here because I definitely, um, I mean, I agree with the balance thing. It's just that it does linger in my tongue. Yeah. So, Are you drinking some Tricera hops? Is that what's happening right now? It's possible. <laughs> I mean, it has the Nkasi Believer Double Red Ale with the tattoo, you know, the the flaming heart and the birds and the and the wheat and the roses on there and some hop. I mean, it's, it looks like the right bottle, but maybe they put the wrong label on it. Because you know what, this might be a double IPA. <laughs> I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put it past it. But uh, as far as the coloring, though, the coloring is definitely the double red. It's it is a very amber, orangish color. It's it's actually very, very nice coloring. I like the coloring a lot. Well, and you know, th- this could go to what we've been drinking. You know, I've been drinking amber ales tonight, and I've you been have, yeah been drinking IPAs and stuff. So you you might be primed with some stuff on your tongue already for good point for that stuff. Uh, good so. point. I didn't eat any oyster crackers before going to this beer. So I probably still have lush in my mouth and that might be, it might, maybe my tongue's already got stuff on there. That's uh that's making it react differently. So now I need to buy another six pack of this. It's only seven ninety nine. I think it was, yeah, seven ninety nine for a six pack. So maybe I'll go buy a six pack and then I'll try some with a fresh, clean palate. And then maybe I'll have to re revisit my uh, my rating here. Uh, but okay, so what do you think about the body, John? I mean, we we talked a lot about the the uh, the front and the finish already. What do you think about the body? I'd say this is a medium full mm-hmm. um, body. Uh, it's definitely got some thickness to it. Yeah, but not not really, you know, a big stout type thing. No, no, uh, not quite there. But it's it's pleasant. And, uh, you know, the carbonation is, is nice that it doesn't feel too heavy yeah. and thick, you know. I, I think you're right. I, at first I was a little worried when I saw all the bubbles coming up, I was afraid that this is going to be way over carbonated for me. Um, but I think because this beer is a little bit heavier on, on the, on the, you know, medium to full body, it's definitely a, a heavier beer. Um, I think you're right. The carbonation uh, makes it more enjoyable, more, 
you know, more enjoyable in my mouth. It's a, it feels good. It feels like a good solid beer. It's not something I want to be drinking, uh, you know, out in the hot sun on the beach or something. It might be a little, a little heavy for that. Uh, I want something a little lighter to, you know, quench my thirst, but, um, but yeah, it's definitely enjoyable. It's definitely a great beer to drink during the winter time. I think this is a good winter ale for sure. In fact, if this could be packaged as their winter warmer, I would be happy also. I think it would be a good winter warmer uh, in my books. I like that. Kind of reminds me of Burr a little bit in some manners. Okay. Not as hoppy. Not as hoppy. You're right. <laughs> I, I will say that you're absolutely correct. It is not as hoppy as Burr, so you're right. You're right. Okay, John. Um, we already talked about the finish. We have disagreements. I think you're probably correct, and I just still have lingering IPA tongue. Um uh, but uh, the finish is not, uh, it's, it's enjoyable. It's not, I mean, I do, I, I don't mind the bitterness on my tongue. If it did have it, uh, it's, it's not taking away from the quality of the beer. Um, so far, I'm really enjoying this. It goes down, uh, pretty easy, pretty easy. So, um, how would you recommend this for, uh, new people to craft beer? Is this something that you'd uh, go and hand off to someone that you're trying to introduce to craft beer? Um, I don't know if I would give this as a first beer, but I could see getting here pretty fast. Um, I think, you know, my interpretation of it, it's not overly bitter. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of a toast and a bread, you know, that's something that's approachable Mm -hmm. for people. Um, so I could see getting to this, um, relatively quickly. Okay. Okay. So how about you? I am uh, probably going to hold off. Um, maybe in their first year, I might uh, introduce them to this, but not one of the first beers, like in the first uh, couple months. I, I wait for a year before I... A year? A wow. year, yeah. I think Man, there's... I'm already a... in hours in my program on that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to hold off. So I'm going to say, I'm gonna say uh, a year plus, yeah, I'll give it to them. And you'll say like uh, um, two months plus. I, I don't know. You don't yeah, know? Maybe. You, yeah, maybe, maybe two months. You said pretty pretty quick. How, how do you yeah. how do you uh, put time to that quickness? Maybe even the same first night. The first night? You know? Oh my gosh! Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, how about some recommended glassware? Does does this beer need a special glass? I don't think anything special. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing too special. I, I'm drinking it out of a, a shaker pint. You're drinking out of a Willie Becker, or if you have your Willie Becker with you, do you have your Willie Becker? I am drinking out of a uh, shaker pint. Oh, a right shaker now, pint. So. Okay, so we're both drinking shaker pints, and we're both enjoying it. Um, I don't think I'm missing out on anything by not having a different glass. I think a pub glass would be fine too if you had a Willie Becker or a standard pub. Uh, but yeah, it, that, that's fine. Just drink it in a glass. Uh, I mean, let me take a swig out of the bottle and see if I taste something different. Mm. It's even more hoppy in the bottle. <laughs> Actually, it's less hoppy in the bottle. Wow, that's weird. It is actually different in the bottle. It's less hoppy. It has definitely got yeah, a, a less... wash still in your glass when you poured this in? <laughs> I might have. I rinsed it out pretty good, but maybe I did have some IPA in there because now I'm, now I'm drinking... Out of the bottle, it tastes like what you're describing. So maybe I'll just do the rest of my review out of the bottle. Now that we're done. <laughs> you're right, John. Timely. Uh, John, 
you are absolutely correct because I'm not getting the same bitterness that I'm getting out of the glass. So that is bizarre. Maybe maybe you just have a very bitter bitterness sensitive nose. You know, so when you take that out of the equation, you're just not getting uh, that could be it. Bitterness. That could be it. <laughs> I'll buy that. I'll just say that I have a very sensitive yeah, bitter nose. Yeah, you've got IPA nose. That's a. <laughs> All right, John. What do you? How would you rate this on our rating scale? And just for uh, you know, because it's a new scale, let me just read what we have here. So, uh, at the very bottom of the scale would be skippable. Uh, try it if you want, but you're not missing anything. Uh, next up on the scale is drinkable. Uh, for when you need something to throw down a few or want something in your fridge to drink throughout the week, um, worthy. Make an effort to try it. Or exceptional. Put it on your bucket list. Um. I think I might be straddling somewhere between drinkable and worthy, maybe depending on your style preference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's definitely make an effort to try it if you tend to prefer the more uh, malt-focused mm-hmm. beers. Um, you know, even though there is some hop character in here, you know, in today's world, this is very malt-focused. Um, in today's craft beer world of, of IPA everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very enjoyable. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I think I'd be some, you know, drinkable to worthy depending on, you know, your preferences. Okay. Okay. So. I am going to say this is worthy. I think people need to make an effort to try this beer. I think it's a solid, even with the bitterness. Uh, I mean, I, now I've just had both versions, right? I had the bitterness in my glass and I had the, the not as bitter in the bottle and, both are, are, are worthy contenders to a, a very, very good red L. Even if it's a double red L, even in a, you know, I, I like this beer a lot and, uh, I, I'm going to call it worthy. It's a, it's a worthy beer in my list. So there we go. So John's between worthy and drinkable and I'm a solid worthy. So now we, that means we need to have something between worthy and drinkable. What do you think that should be? Or I just need to commit. You, know. you need to commit. You need to commit. I, <laughs> you're right, though. We do have a flaw. I did. I thought I had everything uh, covered when I said for when you need to throw down a few or want something in your fridge to drink throughout the week. I don't want to drink this through the week necessarily. Well, I could, actually. Actually, you know what? I could drink this through the week because if I got a six-pack, I wouldn't mind having one a night. Um, I don't want to drink three of these a night. I think it's a little heavy for that. I think that, you know, I might a little too much for that but okay we're still working on our list nobody's uh, gave us the suggestions on our rating system so uh, don't don't complain if we're all screwed up okay. yeah i just think we're beyond help yeah yeah so all right well guess what <laughs> ninkasi is very revealing when it comes to their beers and they tell us exactly what they put in it. so for malts they have some two row two row pale some munich crystal and Carahel. And for hops, they have Centennial and Summit. What do you think about that? you taste those uh, ingredients in the beer? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious what the levels are for the Munich and the Crystal because um, there's different levels of, of uh, kilning okay. for those that give different characters. You think they're probably a little bit higher though, right, because if we are getting some of that 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 toasty biscuit. yeah 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 probably from the Munich yeah I, I was I was thinking the same and, thing the Munich yeah so but yeah it's tasty and and I like it's not too complex yeah you know? yeah yeah it's three or four good good range for malts because sometimes it just gets 
muddy. Yeah. Good. Good, yeah. Um, they had some food pairings, too. What do you think about this? Would this go... They say it goes good with pork, lamb, duck, pizza, rich, creamy cheeses, some toffee, and some chocolate. What do you think about those food pairings? I wouldn't object to those. I know sometimes... They list stuff, and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you see that? But no, I think they're pretty on point with that. Okay. So Okay, so, um, yeah, I definitely could see this being a pizza drinker. This is a beer that I could throw down some pizza and drink, I think, for sure. So I think. Well, the nice thing about this one with the pizza, um, at least if you're drinking out of the bottle, <laughs> it's not overly bitter. Yeah. Sometimes when you get with, like, some of the pepperonis or sausages, uh, that spiciness amps up. And, you know, it, it can, uh, just add to it, you know, can, you know, some people like, you know, the, those comparable spice, but I, I like with spice tend to be more compare contrast. Mm-hmm. So, okay. um, but, uh, yeah. So for me, that's why I'd like that with the, with pizza. Okay. Because you mentioned before that, uh, I mean, I'm going back. A year ago or more in, in an episode. I can't remember which one you said, but you said, uh, that, uh, a good, uh, IPA is good with some pizza with the, uh, pepperoni yeah. and stuff with the, with the IPA. And I, and since you said that, um, I've tried a number of beers, uh, hoppy beers with pizza. And some of them I agree that it does enhance the, you know, the flavor pairings are, are pretty good. And some are a little too strong. Uh, I've had some bad experiences too with the beer just being too, with the, with the, the, the pepperoni and the beer, which is too much for my, my system to handle. Yeah. And that, that goes to some places have a spicier pepperoni as well than others. Yeah. True. So okay. like there's a place near where I grew up that is known for a very spicy pepperoni, which, uh, you know, a lot of the, um, national change would come nowhere near. Yeah. You know, for, for that kind of character. Well, that's a quality pizza place then if they can have a good, good spicy pepperoni. I like good spicy pepperoni. All right. Well, John, that is the end of our tasting notes segment. All right. Well, now it is time for our check it out segment. This is where we, like to mention different various uh, media, whether it's websites, podcasts, publications, or such. Uh, but this time we have an interview with a owner of a brewery that will be opening up in the Columbus, Ohio area. And we, in fact, not only do we have an interview, we actually have the exclusive reveal of this brewery, which is even more exciting that the news is going to be broken on Tap the Craft. So, uh, yeah, that's great. And this brewery, I think, is going to be opened, uh, hopefully, you know, in the summertime is what I'm hoping. So, John, uh, everyone knows that you are the Ohio native. And so why don't you go ahead and, and take control of the show and let our listeners know about this new brewery? Yeah. So, you know, I think we've mentioned quite a few times that we'd love to interview some breweries and stuff. So this is, this is exciting. Yeah. I know we get to do this kind of thing. And, uh, it's even more exciting that it's me. Um, (laughs) yeah, my, my wife and I are opening up a brewery. We're moving back to Ohio, uh, to open Trek Brewing Company, um, very close to where I grew up. So it's really exciting. Um, and it's actually why 
was not on the show last week because we were moving out of our house and things. <laughs> that was a very hectic weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's awesome. Okay. It is awesome. That's great news. And, uh, in fact, that's ex- really exciting news for me because I've actually, you know, had your beer. I really like your beer. I think there's a lot of people out there that will enjoy your beer. And uh, I know it's been a dream of yours for some time to eventually uh, open up your own brewery. And so I guess the first question that I have uh, for a new craft beer brewery owner that's going to be uh, doing this is what was your motivation for moving forward with your dream at this time? Why? I mean, you have a pretty good job. You have a young family. Uh, you know, things were going well. You're, you're, you're doing beer judging. You're doing your own homebrew. You're, you're, you're amping up your homebrew. But what was the, what was the catalyst that said, this is the time to start my brewery right now? Um, part of it is just, you know, we've talked about this for a long time. Um, and at a certain point, we're just like, well, we can keep being dreamers or we could actually go be doers and actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that coincided with uh, uh, some more stuff at work that just wasn't, uh, you know, another round of restructuring and uh, whole new management chains and all that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Corporate Which America. happens in, in big companies yeah. and stuff like that. And it's just like, yeah, you know, maybe we should really start to look at this and see if it's actually feasible. Um, and uh, so that's actually why I pretty much stopped writing for the blog um, because I was writing and rewriting and writing again a business plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that was taking all of my time. Mm-hmm. Um so researching that and, you know, checking the numbers and do the numbers work? And am I crazy? Am I making the numbers work just mm-hmm. because I want the numbers to yeah, work? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but at the end of the day, it's just, you know, we're young. Uh, if we're wrong, uh, we can recover. Um, <laughs> that's true. You know, so, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of where, where it's at. Okay. All right. So what made you go back to Ohio to open this brewery? I know, I mean, we know that the beer scene in Washington state and especially in the Seattle area is huge. I understand maybe being a little bit, uh, you know, skeptical of, of jumping into that beer scene, but maybe you could have gone to another area of Washington or another state, but did you go back to Columbus because that's where your home is and that's where you wanted to, to open this brewery all along? Um, actually the plan initially was to open in Seattle. Hmm. Um, and you know, you, you just said it's, uh, it's big here. Craft breweries, beer is big here. Um, but that also is a a crowded market. You know, there we've talked about just, there are over a hundred breweries in my County. You know, there's just a ton of beer here. Uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And, you know, we had some places that we thought, you know, could use a brewery, mm-hmm. you know, that there was a need here. Um, but, uh, Seattle's also very expensive. Yeah. Um, property's expensive. Everything's expensive. And, um, 
when you know you put it pen to paper uh you know the the risk increases um you know from increased competition although you know where we were looking to to go into i think i'm confident that i could have been the the best quality beer that was in that area um it was a lot more expensive to open up um because the property is just that much more expensive yeah and that's something you're stuck with you know that it's not something that goes away yeah and uh so we started kicking things around and um you know looked back at ohio um moving somewhere other than ohio was never really on the table um where we're here right now uh my in-laws moved out here to be closer to the to the grandkids and that's actually where i'm recording from right now is uh, <laughs> their house um because our house is getting ready to to sell and um you know back in ohio we also have a lot of support so it, there wasn't really ever a plan where we went somewhere where we were completely um you know isolated and didn't really know the area and didn't really know the market and didn't really know anything about it. Uh, that just didn't seem to make sense. Um, so going back to Ohio, we have family, we have support around us. We know the area It's a lot cheaper, um, <laughs> which is a big deal, um, for, for stuff like this. So, um, but Ohio, you know, it, it has a, a good craft beer market and, mm-hmm its market is still developing. Um, you know, even though it's well established in the major cities, uh, there are still areas of growth in that state. Um, and you know, the, like I mentioned, the spot we found is only about a mile from the house I grew up in, Mm -hmm. which is just even more awesome. Okay. So, So, uh, I mean, Columbus, Ohio area is, has been a pretty fast growing craft beer brewery startup area. It seems like there's a lot of breweries coming in there. Was that by any chance did that kind of scare you for opening up in a, in a spot that's already got some pretty good growth in the brewery uh, business? Um, no, not really. Um, I mean, if it did, I would never have even considered Seattle, you know, True. Um, okay. but uh, you know, like I mentioned, if you're committed to making quality, and you don't let anything that doesn't hit your mark mm-hmm. out the door, no matter how painful that is. Um, you know, I think that you're going to be in a good spot. Okay. So. Ah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. All right. So now you mentioned that the brewery name is called Trek Brewing. So how did you come up with that name, Trek Brewing? Uh, we went through a lot of names. <laughs> it's really hard. Uh, to come up with something, um, namely that you like and also doesn't infringe on something that someone else is doing. Um, you know, especially now with, uh, over 5,000 breweries in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it, it kind of came to, uh, we look at the brewery as the next step in our journey. So, you know, we're on this trek of, life and you know our trek continues with the brewery okay um both in life and 
you know, craft beer and brewing and everything. So that kind of, kind of how it came about. All right. Hey, that makes sense to me. I understand that. I, I was thinking more like Reams Dreams or something like that. You know, you could have come up with that. <laughs> but I like Trek. Now that you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you're on this Trek of life, this adventure, this Trek. Um, ah, I appreciate that. That's great. Yeah. And I, yeah, that whole list of names is never going to hit the, uh, the air because it, <laughs> you know, there, there are some other stuff that's pretty good on there. And, you know, you don't need somebody like, well, I'm never going to think of you as that because, yeah. uh, you know, or that was awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe in another show, we'll, we'll, uh, when you're, when you become rich and famous, from your brewery, you can reveal all the other names that you didn't choose. Could be curious. Yeah, when my intern is doing the show for me because I'm too rich. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that'll never happen. <laughs> all right, awesome. So I kind of uh, hinted that maybe you be, might be having a summer opening. Is when do you plan to have uh, the opening of the brewery? Uh, we're targeting late summer, early fall. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of stuff that's outside of our control. Um, namely, uh, the government. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it takes a long time to get a brewery application processed, um, okay. from the federal government over like over six months. Oh, wow. So, like we've already submitted and we don't expect to hear anything back until June, July timeframe. You know, I mean, if everything bro- broke right for us, you know, we could end up opening in maybe July or mm-hmm. something like that, but that would be, you know, everything goes right. And as we all know, that never happens. So, yeah. um, but, uh, yeah. So we're, we're hoping that things go relatively smoothly in late summer, early fall. Okay. But, so you're, you're basically moving forward, assuming you're going to get the license and everything's going to go fine and, and you're going to have everything ready so that when the license does come, you'll be able to start. Is that the, is that the goal? Yeah. We plan to have everything in place so okay. that. Once we have the license, we're, we're going because, you know, you're, you're paying on stuff and it's just sitting there. Yeah. And you can't do anything with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. The moment we can do something with it, we want to be able to do something with it. All right. So. I, hey, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, you mentioned that you spent a lot of time working on a business plan. Now, I don't expect you to reveal everything in your business plan, but I'm sure in that plan, you had different phases of the of what you're going to you know roll out your business to and a certain timeline that you hope to do it so i'm assuming uh and i kind of i'm curious about what the scope that you see trek brewing uh in short term and long term uh, are you going to be a brewery only are you going to have a brewery and a pub are you going to do any packaging or you know eventually do packaging of uh you know cans and bottles are you going to uh you know eventually uh uh, offer food, um, et cetera. And, uh, and, and whatever your proposed timeline, whatever you kind of in, in your best estimate of when these phases would, uh, come about. So what is your overall plan for this brewery? Uh, so brewery and tap room from the start, uh, we'll have a small menu of sandwiches. Oh, okay. Um, and that is largely due to licensing and we should do, a segment on licensing at some point because whew, um, is that a just can of worms to yeah. get into? Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, short term, complete focus on the tap room, making that work. Um, and 
you know, long-term, uh, will likely end up either expanding or contracting to the bare minimum our food. It kind of depends on how things go with mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to be the story of everybody that I've talked to in Ohio, um, due to the licensing, they either, uh, people wanted it or people didn't. And it's completely dependent on your crowd. Okay. And we won't know exactly, you know, we, we have an idea of what folks would like and, you know, we're hoping to hit that as close as we can, uh, when we open, but Mm -hmm. you know, you never truly know. Um, so, uh, but in terms of, you know, packaging and that type of thing, uh, we're not in this to be the next, you know, Sierra Nevada or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. I think, um, we would look probably to service the state and that would probably be the extent of it. Okay. Yeah. So service the state in, um, in keg, uh, you know, keg business to, to bars or service the state in possible uh, cans, maybe bottles uh, eventually? Uh, at that level, probably into actual packaging. Okay. So, okay. All right. So now after I heard you explain what your goals are, I have a couple follow-up questions. Um, I assume, and so here in Idaho, they just um, passed a law this last uh, year that it was now okay to have breweries open to families so that now you can bring, even though it serves alcohol only, you can still bring your your children into the brewery and uh, be there with you even if you you know they don't have food or a restaurant so which is kind of nice it's nice to be able to bring your kids have a beer have them play games or whatever you know it's family friendly i i don't know what the laws are in ohio but if the laws permit you to have again it might be licensing stuff that you already kind of mentioned is really complicated but i assume that you're going to make your facility uh family friendly to to invite those families that want to come and uh, have a beer, bring their kids, play. Uh, you can serve up some sandwiches to feed the people because they want to be able to eat while they're there. Is is that kind of the goal of your of your brewery is to be more family oriented and, and allow people to bring their families to en- enjoy good craft beer? Uh, so in Ohio, uh, there is no restriction on age for okay. a brewery tap room, um, and we do plan on being family friendly. Um, Partly because for a while it might be the only way I see my kids, but, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> hopefully not. Um, but, uh, you know, um, yes, we, we do plan on being family friendly. Okay, good. And, and how many, when you first open up, um, how many days a week do you think you're going to open? Are you going to be open up, uh, six days a week or five days a week or three days a week? What, what, what's your, uh, your days of opening schedule, like Wednesday through Sunday or uh, that has not been completely hammered out, and there are some factors that uh, will go into that. Um, okay. That um, we can get into with, I think, I know some of your other questions okay. uh, that will kind of feed into that. All right. So. Well, let's move on then. Let's move into what everyone's wondering. What size brew system will you be using? What, what are you going to put in? What, you know, how big are you going to be here? Uh, so we're going to have a 15 barrel. Oh my gosh. Uh, brew house <laughs> with a one barrel pilot, 
Wow. Um, so the the one barrel pilot is basically going to be my homebrew system with some bigger kettles. So okay, um, that I actually planned it for when I built the the control panel. I built it to handle that size. So okay, well, good. That is a uh, lofty endeavor. Um, I, I mean, I think most of the, I mean, fifteen is a good size. Uh, I mean, a lot of the the breweries here in the Idaho area, they start off with five barrel systems. So you're starting off with three times the amount that, uh, you know, that they're starting off with. So that's pretty, that's pretty good. Okay. Plan for success. Yeah. Uh... Of course. Of course. <laughs> so now that you mentioned that you're, you're planning for success, you're, you're, uh, going in big with the 15 barrel system. Are you buying new equipment or are you buying used equipment? Yes. Um, we're doing both. <laughs> Uh, so our brew house, our 15 barrel brew house is, is a used system, okay. um, that we're currently planning on and our, our firmers and such are currently planned to be new. Um, we are working with a supplier right now and kind of hammering that out. Um, but overall it, you know, it, it kind of d- depends on the availability of what's out there and the value of what the equipment is yeah. versus, you know, what you can get. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is kind of where our, our schedule, uh, plays in. Um, you know, our brew house is becoming available because someone else is expanding and oh, they're going okay. through their own, um, growth. Well, you know, they need their current system until everything is ready. So we might not have that 15 barrel right away. Oh, um, wow. You know, there's a, there's a chance of that, you know, the, everything, you know, we, we think that we're aligned that everything will work out, but you know, there's a chance that their project could take longer. It's a, it's bigger in scope than ours. Um, you know, and then there's a chance that our licensing and stuff doesn't come through and we're sitting and waiting. So mm-hmm. there's a whole lot, you know, in play. So, it, you know, if we don't have that brew house available, our hours are going to be very limited. Okay. Um, because we're talking about only, being able to produce two kegs at a time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and keeping, and keeping whatever you have as your initial offerings is going to be tough when you're only being able to brew, you know, two kegs. Right. So, uh, you know, that, that's going to be largely dependent on how some other things shake out. And, uh, thankfully we don't have to commit to any of that till we open the doors. So, um, that's uh, kind of where we stand. Okay. That one. Okay. Well, good. That that answered my question. Now you mentioned you're going to be, you know, buying some new fermenters. So I'm curious. Everyone knows that uh, your brew house is 15 barrels, but uh, what really matters is how much beer you can ferment at a time. So how many fermenters are you planning on having at start, and what is your goal as far as to have as uh, the the total number of fermenters in your in your brewery? Uh, so we're going to start with three, um, 15 barrel fermenters. Uh, but we have room, uh, for six plus, depending on how cramped we want to make things. So, okay. um, we got, we've got a, a very nice space for, for, for the brewery, um, and even space to expand the building if, if you need you know, to, it, it come, if it comes to that. And, you know, that six plus doesn't include that. So, okay. um, with our existing space, we could, 
easily double, maybe more that initial capacity. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's that's revealing a little bit with only three fermenters. Is that? Do you feel that? Uh, I mean, I I have some other questions that will talk into this, but why don't we just go to this one next? You say you're going to have three fermenters that you're going to start with. So how many flagship beers are you going to be offering that are, are pretty much the, the the staple of your business that you're going to have all the time? Is it going to be three or is it going to be six or, or how many are you going to have? Um, well, so we're not really thinking about it in terms of a flagship mm-hmm. at this time. Okay. Um, so what I will say is that we plan on having at least eight beers available at launch okay. maybe up to 12 wow um but uh you know we have a rough idea of what you know could become the mainstay or the flagship so to speak um but really that the, the taproom is going to tell us that of what they want to drink um and you know i've talked to folks that and heard stories of other breweries that went into it saying this is going to be the beer and they invested a whole lot into making that beer be the beer. Mm-hmm. And the people said, yeah, we kind of like this other beer okay, uh, more than that one. And now they had this huge sunk cost and spent a whole lot of money and were kind of upside down on trying to push this particular beer. Okay. Um, you know, so from that sense, uh, we're kind of just focused on making great beer and, you know, things will kind of fall out in terms of what we need to produce all the time. And okay. in that sense, you know, definitely whatever, you know, is going fast, we'll go through those 15s and we'll play and have some fun in the, in the one barrel system. Okay. Okay. So you're going to, so you're really going to utilize, I mean, you're going to utilize the one barrel system to bring out a variety of beers, find out what hits your pop, you know, the, the, the consumer's uh, taste palace that they really dive for. And then at that point, you'll go and say, okay, now we're going to invest uh, the majority of our production to the beers that people really want to want to have. You you have a, uh, by any chance, do you have any idea of what kind of beers that you you plan on having for that, like initial eight that come out? Have you, have you thought about that? Uh, we're narrowing it down. Um, we've got, more than eight available to us, uh, you know, in terms of things that we feel are ready. We've got a whole bunch that uh, once we complete our move to Ohio and we're kind of sitting around, I'll be working to perfect okay. some more recipes. Um, but pretty much we're we're open to everything that isn't wild or sour. Um, we're not going to yeah. start with anything like that. No, um, no, yeah. Definitely want to get, uh, you know, feet under us, um, before we start introducing other things into the into the brew house. Okay. So. Okay. So I'm assuming you're going to have your vanilla stout and your coffee vanilla stout. Is that not going to be an option? I, I do like to joke with people that I've decided we're not going to do that. And they're like, <laughs> what? And then uh, I said, I'm just kidding. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, a, a beer dear, near and dear to my heart is our loose cannon. So I, I'm sure that's going to have to make a visit one day, right? 
Maybe not the initial yeah, eight, but I, I don't think that'll be a year round, um, <laughs> most likely. But uh, it is award yeah. winning. It's award winning, though. So you gotta, you know, it's it's yeah, quality. I I will say when I was going through, you know, pulling recipes that I've really liked and stuff, I'm like, man, I have a lot of things that all need to be released in the winter. <laughs> oh, so, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So here's here's a very important question for you, John. So I'm assuming when you first start out, you will be the sole brewer. You're going to be brewing all your own beers. But is there plans to have an assistant brewer, or are you going to have a another full time brewer that work with you when you first start out? What's the what's your your plan, and what's what's going to happen there? Uh, starting out, it's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do plan on bringing somebody else in in on a support role. Um, relatively soon um but it's not completely defined on when that is it again you know there's a lot of uh you know question marks when you're making your business plan it's truly just estimates yeah Yeah. so it really depends on okay do we hit this when we think we're going to hit it or is it going to be accelerated or a little slower or you know all, all that kind of stuff so we do plan on bringing somebody in and you know down the road uh, will I be the brewer forever? Probably not. Yeah. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I hope to stay involved at least in some way down the road, assuming that everything is super successful like we expect. Okay. Yeah. I, (laughs) I expect success. So I'm, I'm going with a success. All right. So now I have a couple questions that I don't know if it's, uh, if something you can, a- you can answer or not. So I'll ask. And if you can't answer, just let me know and we'll just move on. But the first one is, um, now everyone knows that it can be kind of expensive to open up a brewery, the, the brewery equipment, the, the, the property, uh, you know, er- you know, everything, the materials, everything costs a lot of money. Um, did you have uh, some kind of capital investment or investors that were helping you along, or did you have to take out a, a loan for this? Uh, we don't have any investors. Okay. Um, we are getting a loan uh, for a good chunk of what we need, a very big chunk of what we need. <laughs> okay. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. And, and uh, again, a question if you can answer or not. If you can't, no problem. But – um, again, we know this is a big investment. Um, is there any idea of how much of an investment that you're going to have to put into this? A lot. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know, I have a target, um, which is still more money than I never thought I'd spend on anything and, you know, or have at my discretion to spend on anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. I'll say. Okay. You know, uh, okay. For, for what we're trying to do. Okay. But. No, no, I understand. That's, that's great. Well, um, I really appreciate you, you know, being frank with us and, uh, and be, and just letting us know about this exciting news that you will be uh, living your dream here shortly. And that everyone that listens to the show has heard it first from us. And I know, We've just, uh, you know, just barely touched the surface of all the great information that we can gain from your experience. And like uh, John said, we are going to have other segments as John goes through this adventure 
we will be talking more and more about the ins and outs and the pros and cons and whatever. We'll we'll have other segments that will help, um, you know, walk you guys through the experience. Uh, but this is just a taste of what uh, what he's going through. So thank you, John, for for uh, allowing us to interview you and uh, and reveal your big exciting news to the world on our show. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited and I'm happy that uh we were able to do it this way. So um yeah. I'm yeah. I'm really excited to uh continue talking about it and actually get get going on it. So Yeah. Okay, so one one last question that I didn't have on our list. So is um when do you plan on being back in Ohio? Are you are you planning on getting back there soon to to like firsthand work on this uh this building and construction stuff? Uh, April time frame. Somewhere okay. in April is the current uh, plan. Okay, so that's also in flux. I I feel like I keep saying that, but there's just there's so many different balls in the air. Yeah. you know, it's just uh, it's the way it is, you know. And yeah, we're really excited to be actually back where we can physically work on things and do things because trying to manage this from you know twenty five hundred miles away is not fun yeah um it's hard on everybody you know the people that we're trying to work with on us on you know juggling it around the time change and work and everything else you know it's uh quite the struggle okay so. yeah for sure <laughs> for sure no we we want to make sure you can be there firsthand to make sure everything's done uh correctly for one and and uh on kept on schedule for sure. yeah yeah all right. Well, there it is, people. There's the news you guys have been waiting to hear. I've been holding this secret deep in my uh, in my chest for so many months that now I don't have to hold it anymore. I can tell everyone about my buddy opening up his brewery and completing his dream, and I'm excited. And I hope you guys are all excited, too, and I hope you guys can all come visit Trek Brewing when it finally opens. But uh, there will be lots more information before then. All right, John. This show has definitely been a bit long, so let's end it. But before we end it, let's raise our glass to some people we want to raise our glass to. So, John, who do you want to raise a glass to tonight? All right, so a, a quick shout-out. Uh, you just mentioned keeping the secret. So I got I to gotta do a quick shout-out to uh, buddy Matt Helmer over at the 40Cast, Devious <laughs> Mr. Matt, um, who uh, he talked about meeting me in Cincinnati and I told him all about the brewery because I was in Cincinnati at the Ohio Craft Brewers Conference meeting people and suppliers and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, he he mentioned on the show, oh, he's got some exciting stuff he's working on. <laughs> so thank you, Matt, for uh, keeping the secret. And uh, now you can talk about it or not talk about it or do whatever you want. I don't care. So, but thank you, uh, buddy. And it was once again, great meeting you. Um, and then, really, I have to uh, raise my glass to my wife, Kristen, uh, for being crazy enough to follow me down this rabbit hole or maybe off the cliff if we're lemmings. <laughs> um, but uh, being super supportive um, as we go through this and, you know, chasing this dream. Uh, so, cheers to her. Yeah. Cheers to both of those guys. Yeah. And I was really hoping we, we kind of ran a little bit late in uh, recording tonight, but uh, I was hoping that, uh, that John, your wife would be 
on the interview with us. I got, you know what? What I should have done is I should have had the interview early in the show so she could have joined us because that would have been fun. But I didn't want to take all the glory away from you too. So yeah, that's right. This is my thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how about you? You raise your glass to somebody? I, I do. I have a few toasts I want to give out tonight. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we mentioned him at the beginning of the show, Mr. Chris McKenzie. I want to raise my glass to you, buddy. Fantastic job um, jumping in and supporting the show and, and being a great host. Uh, I really had a good time. I know that uh, you know people enjoy hearing you talk about uh, East Coast beer. So thank you for joining us. But also, uh, it's incredible. Um, you know, it was uh, Hanapu's day uh, this weekend in Tampa, and he had a lot of videos, pictures, f- comments, posts, and stuff. Uh, one day, Chris, I am going to join you on Hanapu's day so that we can enjoy all those beers together. And I gave him some crap on Untap because he had so many beers that he just pretty much just logged into them and didn't rate them or anything. <laughs> but one of the beers that he had was from Melvin Brewing. And everyone knows that Melvin's Brewing is like the up and coming, like best brewery, I think, in, in, in new coming breweries. I, I know that I haven't had a bad beer from Melvin's and I saw that he was, you know, drinking Melvin's and he didn't even put a rating on it. I'm like, wait a minute, you're going to miss out on rating one of the breweries that's going to be, I think it's going to be a big brewery because they make some damn good beer. Um, so yeah, they definitely do. He also got his hands on some Fremont. He Fremont did. was down at Hunapu's day, and he had stuff that I haven't even been able to get my hands on. So yeah. apparently, I just needed to go hang out in Tampa to get some of this stuff. I know, I know. Not cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing over here in the north? In the northwest, we need to be on the southeast for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, I want to raise my glass to a listener, uh, William Lake. Uh, I, I follow him on Untapped and, and I comment on stuff. And he, I commented on a, a beer. He's from Kentucky. And I commented on a beer that uh, from Fall City. And I was curious about the brewery because I went to school in Fall City, but obviously not Fall City, Kentucky. So I asked where it was at. He said Kentucky. Um, but after that, uh, you know, he, he hit me up on Facebook and said, hey, I'm, I want to send you some beer from Kentucky. So you know what, William? I'm raising my glass to you. I haven't got any beer yet, but just on the notion that you were considering sending beer, whether it comes or not, uh, I want to toast you. Thank you for your generosity. And the last toast I want to give is to my grandson, Connor. Yes, I am a grandfather. Um, it's what? A, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I haven't said much about it because it's we, 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 you know, there's, there's a long story behind it, but in reality, uh, it's all come to fruition that, uh, I am a grandfather of, uh, of a, my son's, uh, son. And we've been spending quite a bit of time with him and we enjoy, uh, our time we get to spend with them. And I just want to raise my glass to, uh, being old and to my grandson, you know, because once you're a grandfather, you're definitely getting up there in age. So. Oh, cheers, buddy. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. but now you get to do all the spoiling and just be like, well, time to go home. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I only have to deal with them for about two hours at a time. So uh, for the baby times, two hours at a time is not too bad. I can handle that. But eventually, I, 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 you know, we'll be having those overnighters and, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. It's great to have a, 
uh, baby back in the in the house. Uh, I'll tell you what, you never forget how to do baby stuff. Once you've done it once, you never forget. It just comes back. Even 20, 22 years later, it comes right back without a without a hitch. So it, once you learn it, it never leaves you. So just wanted to mention that. Uh, also, um, I, I have to just do a toast to all the servicemen and women out there protecting our freedoms out there uh, away from their families. I just want to raise my glass to you, and I hope you guys come back safely to your families very soon. And uh, just to let you guys know, if you uh, want to find the beers that John and I talked about on the show, you can find them in the show notes. We do do pretty decent show notes, list all the beers, any articles that we may mention, have links to them. You can find the show notes uh, on the openforumradio.com webpage or actually on the uh, description of your episode. You can find the beers. All the beers are listed right in the description. So, hey. Go check it out and uh, try some of the beers that John and I mentioned. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can our listeners follow you? Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped Prime W A. And assuming everything goes to plan, uh, everything should be launching in sync with this podcast. Oh, so uh, you can follow Trek Brewing. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, just Trek Brewing. Um, and then uh, our website, trekbeer.com. Awesome. Excellent. I can't wait for this to go live. So we'll have those links in the show notes. So just click the link and find John's beer. All right. Well, John, it is last call, and it is time to bring our show to a close. Um, we just want to thank everyone for downloading and listening to this show. We want you to please tell a friend about Tap the Craft, and of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, Podbean. I hate saying that stupid name, but I just did it again. Uh, and, or however you listen to podcasts. So, uh, as a reminder, we release a new episode every two weeks. Now, go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. All right, well, we're going to start off with the overall impression of the American Amber Ale. And it's an amber, hoppy, and with with moderate strength. Um, <laughs> man, this is going to be rough. I should just skip the style guidelines and just go into the beer drinking and make myself even more giggly. <laughs> oh, I just realized I drank, I might have drank too much today. I'm having trouble <laughs> focusing if you can't tell. I was doing the good. The best part is, is usually you warn me when that <laughs> happens and then it doesn't ever bother us. And tonight you're like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and here we are. No, I'm good. I'm good. It's just that, uh, I got up and went downstairs. And when I came back up, I didn't realize how sweaty I was. And I just feel like I'm kind of lightheaded now, but it's okay. Let me start that over again. All right.